The one constant through all the years, Ray, has been baseball. God, I love baseball. How can you not be romantic about baseball? Man, this is baseball. You gotta stop thinking. I believe in the church of baseball. There's no crying in baseball! Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm Andrew. And I'm Paul. And this is Playball! Baseball at the movies. This is the show where we watch every baseball movie. Every single one. And then we just nerd the hell out about all of them. Yeah, we nerd. We it's nerd out. Great. And today we're talking about The Fan. Oh I boy. Can't, I can't even hold it back. This movie is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, dude. <laughs> this it's literally crazy. It's probably the only accurate word to describe this movie. I'm so excited. It's, we have, we have uh, so much to talk about. Yeah. I feel like we should do some coke first <laughs> just to get in the right headspace before we do this 100 percent. okay the movie is called the fan uh here's the log line gill is an obsessed baseball fanatic whose favorite player is three-time mvp bobby rayburn who is played by wesley snipes that's uh, correct gill is played by robert de niro for i was i, I guess I was that b-list actor robert de niro <laughs> when bobby rayburn signs a contract with the san francisco giants hey his batting and field averages drop no gill decides to kill bobby's rival hello and then insinuate himself into bobby's life <laughs> now bobby's, sounds so simple in this log line <laughs> now bobby's nightmare begins oh boy this did is, you write that or did you find that on i found that on okay. uh, IMDb. Here's something else I didn't write that I yeah. found uh, Can't online. Wait. Here's the tagline. Baseball's $40 million man has always treated the game like a matter of life and death. This time, it really is. Wow, that's awful. It <laughs> <laughs> is really bad. I love it. Just Accurate, me, though. just brings me back to 1996. Sure. <laughs> this is like a time machine. <laughs> this movie stars Robert De Niro. It yes. stars Wesley Snipes. It also stars Ellen Barkin as a uh, radio announcer. Uh, is, that, that role is so so far from reality. Every role, and the whole world, really. Uh, uh, Benicio del Toro. Yep, he plays the the rival Primo. Yeah, uh, is the guy's name. And John Leguizamo is Bobby Rayburn's agent. This yep. movie was directed by Tony Scott. Jack Black's in it for a second. Jack Black's in it for a hot second. <laughs> he makes a cameo. He's also, a, Hans Zimmer did the score. Hans Zimmer did the score. <laughs> and oh, Not Cal Rip- bright spots. Cal Ripken was a consultant on the movie. And uh, Wesley Snipes hitting. He coach. showed up for like a day and was like, "Yeah, this is all fine, I guess." <laughs> do you want to? Should we listen to the trailer? Let's listen. You want to watch it. the trailer? Yeah, let's do it. Here They'll is, listen to it. Yeah. We'll watch it. We'll watch it. Here's a little flavor of the fan. Well, here we are with the hopes and dreams of all true Giants fans, ex-Brave center fielder and league RBI champ Bobby Rayburn. In the game of life, come on, bring it, baby. Some are chosen for greatness. While others can only watch. Hey, stop! Take your hands off. Hey, stop! Bobby Rayburn was San Francisco's brightest star. Bobby, a lot of people in this city think you're not earning your keep. But to one fan, he meant so much more. Don't listen to it, Bobby. You're a fan. A fan. Watch out for me. I'm the sharpest guy in town. People are scared of you, Gil. Who never stop believing. I know what he's feeling. Hit a bad patch. We all hit bad patches. Go easy on him. You're letting the bat swing him. Hey, Alex, send your head into the outfield. Always watching. 
boy, I feel like I'm in 1996 all over again. <laughs> trailers <laughs> used to be way better. They did. <laughs> also, that trailer is way better than the movie. That's very true. We really you you don't need to watch the movie you after really watching do, the trailer. Yeah, it's that kind of just take that and multiply it by a thousand. <laughs> That's do the movie. some coke. That's <laughs> <laughs> do some coke. Drink a lot of alcohol. That's the movie. And then watch the trailer. I guess it's a little late, but just a warning. I guess we're gonna curse all throughout this fucking podcast oh yeah because <laughs> i mean nuts. we've already been doing it's it first ra- of all for the first uh, the, the other that's episodes true. but that's true but it's rated r yeah. it's robert de niro acting like a whack job there's lots of cussing uh it's it's fucking crazy i'm sorry sorry little please kids. send us a letter and we'll uh we'll, we'll if you're it. if you're a little kid and listen to this i mean I, <laughs> it's just a word <laughs> yeah it's all good and if you're a little kid listening to the show that's crazy um <laughs> i wouldn't okay. think any little kids would listen to us so this movie came out in 1996 it was either june or august i found two different piece of information so i'm okay. not quite sure but it came out in the summer of 96 yep it was received poorly yeah, yeah. <laughs> it got uh 34 on rotten tomatoes you got that uh you got that uh ebert quote i uh you know i i've got other quotes i don't have an ebert quote what i couldn't find an ebert review no, of it maybe he was like uh, be honest yeah, fuck, fuck this, this is movie. trash <laughs> uh but i got a quote from peter travers and rolling stone have you ever read peter travers by the way i think i have yeah. he's fantastic <laughs> listeners okay. Check out Peter Travers. He's like the bad cop to Ebert's good cop. Sure. Okay? Like Ebert I co- that was Siskel. Uh, uh, sure. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> no, but like, sure. like Ebert comes in, he's all soulful and like trying to find right, something. Right. And then Travers is the cop who comes in and he's like, you fucking did it. Right. <laughs> admit it. Admit it. Okay. So I like okay. how you just explained what bad cop, good cop <laughs> well, To no, those just, who <laughs> didn't understand the, if you, what that meant. If you weren't sure. Okay. Here's a quote from Peter Travers Review in Rolling Stone. What Bill Clinton is to fries in a Big Mac, Robert De Niro is to psychos. He can't get enough of them. De Niro eats those suckers for breakfast. <laughs> And then he says the movie's garbage. <laughs> and the rest of it, that's... that's yeah, wow. Let's walk through the plot. Let's do it. Again, oh, boy, it's a doozy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually... I Normally, we try to say, like, hey, if you don't want spoilers for this movie, yeah. like, skip ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're going to be putting, like, the times for when we just jump to Inside Baseball in the notes, so you can kind of just check that and sure. skip ahead. I I would recommend sticking around because yeah. this movie's fucking crazy. Like we're not, it, we, we we will never do it justice with what the words we're about to say. Okay, so so basically this movie starts with Robert De Niro. It starts with the old TriStar opening actually and it was really nice to wow. see. I'd like to point that out. That's cool. I put that that was the first note. I was like, oh, I missed that TriStar opening. There you go. Fun fact. Yeah. Post TriStar opening. Yeah. Uh so we've got Robert De Niro, he's driving through the streets of San Francisco. No, 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 no. First, it opens with a poem. Oh, that's right. It opens with this really nice, like, lyrical, <laughs> like very, uh, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Uh, what's the word I'm looking Reflective. for? The music was very, like, like chariots of fire almost. Intense. Very yeah. intense. Old images of, of, like, old baseball players. I and think kids, photos actually. Photos and stuff. Yeah. Well, it's, it's. Yeah, well, we'll get, it's, yeah. it's spoil it. It's, it turns out it's Robert De Niro. <laughs> um, but while that's happening, Robert De Niro is reading a poem out about, loud. About, about fandom. Yeah, I, I looked yeah. it up. I tried to find if it was, like, a real poem. I don't think it is. I think they wrote it for the movie. I think, yeah, um, or maybe, maybe it was from the book. So we read a couple lines from it just to. Do you have them? I have them, I do. Sure, read them out. Okay. Pretend I'm, I'm not going to do a Robert De Niro impression. Uh, okay. But pretend I'm Robert De Niro. Okay. Maybe I'll try. No, no, no I'm going to try. Do, do here here comes a shitty Robert De Niro. a little mm. flavor. <laughs> I have to make my fate that frowny Robert De Niro face. <laughs> Excited and anxious, I wait my dream to escape, applaud, and embrace my team. Is that good? That's terrible. That's good. No, I keep going. Opening day, I always can trust. It's just for this high that I crazily lust. 
Return of Our Hero does brighten the days. This is a terrible Robert Nero. I'm just going to read it. Like me now, just briefly, my troubles get lost in the haze. The grace from the field arouses the crowd. Wow, there's a lot of like lusty terms in here. Reflects on the days when I was quite proud. I'm more entranced than the average fan I used to play, you see. And I know I still can. Wow, wow. this goes on forever. The last line of the poem is, All the while just hiding behind an invisible tear. I grow tired now of all this greed and chart a course to set things free. Amazing. Wow. I mean, I will say it was a pretty cool opening. I was, I wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't know. It sets a tone that they don't really repeat. And then they do. Yeah. This movie just constantly sets different tones. It's true. (laughs) Amongst other things. For the place. It also well, one thing that this does, and we'll get into this a little bit later, but there's not really like themes in this movie, which no, we're gonna no, we're gonna no, talk no, 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 all no. about. No. But if you were really to reach, I mean, I guess there are. There's just like a thousand. Well, if it's you not were focused if at all, if you were really to reach yeah. for some kind of theme, it, it it makes this whole facade of trying to explore like the relationship between like being a fan and yeah, being kinda, the athlete, sure. and yeah. so, like th- that's what the poem is kind of about, at least. Yes, that's true. Of like, I take all of this, you know, emotion from being a fan, yes. and it is connected to you, the players. Yeah, 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 it's connected yeah. to the game and all that, and that has to mean something. And then. They just yeah. don't. We'll put a pin in it. We'll yeah. bring it up when we let's well, keep. We gotta keep going through the plot. Yeah. This movie's like five hours long, by the way. It's so it's fucking really long. long. Yeah, it's really long. Uh, so let's keep trucking through. So, so uh, after the poem, yeah, the opening scene after this poem is Robert De Niro's driving through San Francisco, and he calls right. up to which I was stoked right away. I'm like, all right, I'm a Giants. If fan. If you haven't listened to this, Paul's a big Giants. Did fan. you guys? Did you, did you guys know I'm a Giants fan? He, he likes the team. Uh, so I'm Giants. a Giants fan. ASMR, real quick. I'm a Giants fan. Okay, oh, I'm probably gonna cut this joke. Uh, so there oh, were. Paul, in, what's your favorite team? The Giants. There was an insert shot of his car. Like, there's like he's got the Giants yep. thir- wheel on his van. He's got yep. the bobblehead in his car. Is his why his Giants watch? Right away, I'm like, oh boy, here we go. <laughs> here I'm we go. in for this. And it's like the era, like logo wise, like this, like the mid '90s yeah. era of Paul's the Giants. Paul's wearing a Giants hat. I am. It's the mid '90s. That I really enjoy. I love that retro style. So I'm just uh-huh. like, let's He's ready. get it. So De Niro calls up to the radio show and he speaks with Ellen Barkin. And yeah. she, you know, it's like, a, it's like a sports talk show. And she's like, what do you want to talk Which about? Which is accurate because they call into the radio station and mm-hmm. the background says KMBR 680. That's the Giants wow. radio. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm so in for this You're movie. This is going to be great. such a nerd that you And know then that. it just <laughs> fell off. <laughs> like almost immediately. Uh, well, so he calls in yeah. and kind of sets up the premise of the movie, which is... The Giants have just signed the biggest talent on the market, former Atlanta Braves star, right. Bobby Rayburn, played right. by Wesley Snipes. He has the biggest contract in baseball at the time. It's $40 million. Right. And De Niro is so excited. De Niro is obviously an obsessive fan. He's right. the They've fan. Established that. He's the He's fan. He's the fan. But like not only to the audience do we know him as yeah, the fan. Yeah. He's just some guy that calls in. Yeah. His watch goes off. Yeah, he's 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 Giants obsessed. Yeah, he's got a Giants fan, and the radio announcer's like, "What's that in the background?" He's like, "That's just my Giants watch." Yeah. And then I don't even know why they talk to him because then they're like, "Are you excited for Bobby?" And he's like, "Oh my god, I'm so excited he for Bobby!" And they're like, him. "Well, do you want to talk to him?" And he's like, yeah. "Yeah." And then they put him on hold. Yeah, they put him on hold, and they call up Bobby Rayburn. They get him on the line, <laughs> yeah. and then they put What's them together. <laughs> they're talking together. Robert De Niro is not important. I don't know why <laughs> <laughs> they were like, "Oh, do you want to talk to this random can fan?" I, can I say? Can yeah. I point out? 
forgot. I I had this in my notes for later. Yeah, I've done this. I've called into the have you the, on the sports radio. Uh-huh. I've gotten on and asked questions. Like, sure, sure, multiple sure, sure. times. Have you ever talked to a baseball player? No, they fucking. That's not a thing. It's not a real. It's not reality. I. You know what I would give yeah. if I could call up and be like, "Hey, I just oh want to tell yeah. Kershaw that he did totally. great tonight." <laughs> and if they're like, "Oh, we've got him right here," so right away this whole scene, out. they're like driving as well. It's in the mid nineties. They're both driving. They tell De Niro like, "Oh, we got Bo- we got uh, what's this? Bobby Ray. No, Gil. Is this Gil? What's his uh, name? Uh, De Niro's name? Yeah, he's Robert De Niro. Uh, Gil, yeah. I guess. I think it, Renard is his last name. Gil. Right? It's Gil. It's his it? name's Gil. Yeah, and he's like, "We got Gil on the cellular phone." <laughs> <laughs> so like they establish he's in a car, and then once he snipes, also in a car in a Hummer. They're uh-huh. driving through the streets of San Francisco yeah. on this radio station. Was just established right away, like, oh, this movie has no sense of reality. Uh, yeah. Like, nothing is real so far. And None of this is actually happening. And Bobby Rayburn sets up basically that he's Barry Bonds. Essentially, yes. <laughs> he's, They're like, oh, he, signed this he big grew contract. up in He grew up in San Francisco. Right. He's, he's back home. He's the best guy. Yeah. Lead, lead the league in RBI. He's established he's kind of a dick. All these things. Right. Yeah. His agent's in the car, too. John yeah. Logazamo. Yeah. Which, again... So weird. Kind of a pointless character. Extremely the radio host pointless. is kind of a oh pointless God, character. So pointless, yeah. So, yeah, after the phone call, what happens? <laughs> so, basically, we start to see these sort of two parallel storylines going on in the, sort of the first half. Oh, of that's the where Open Jack Black also showed up in that scene, that's in the radio right, scene. Yeah. He's like the producer. He's like, we got uh, Bobby Rayburn on line three. <laughs> that's his one line. I was excited. I was like, oh, Jack Black said it's great. Yeah. And then he was gone. And then he was gone. <laughs> okay, so, again, the first half of the movie, we're kind of following two storylines going on. The first story is we're following Robert De Niro, yeah. and we kind of get a sense of his life. Right. He's basically a, a horrible. <laughs> like that's, he's a terrible person. He's horrible. He's, he's, I mean, it's very, it's not subtle. There's essentially two protagonists in this movie. Yeah. And they're both terrible. They're both pretty bad. They both start off right away like, pretty oh, awful. do you want to root for somebody? Dude, there's yeah. no one. You can root you're for somebody. You're in the wrong movie. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Go next door and see The Lion King instead. <laughs> you're, you're, it's not going to happen with this Is that band. the same year? Uh, I think that was maybe 94. I don't uh, know. Right 90s, over. man. Whatever. Yeah. It was Go still watch playing. it on VHS. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so basically, we get a little glimpse into Robert De Niro's life. He's yeah. divorced. He's got a terrible relationship with his wife. Right. His ex-wife. He's, He's so a just abusive. struggling knife salesman. Uh, that was a thing. Again, <laughs> 1996. <laughs> yeah. And so we see him. we see him trying to sell knives. And he's got his whole like... Like oh my God. stilted pitch and and is terrible, but also it's like there's this there's one scene where he's like pitching to this guy in a store, and the guy is just like watching on the security it's, cams down women's shirts. Yeah, he's not even not, paying attention to De Niro. And also De Niro is so like like just greasy and sleazy. At and, this point it's like 10 minutes into the movie yeah. and we're already in a it's a montage it's of like, De Niro the fuck selling knives poorly. <laughs> and like right before that too in the scene where the, the, there's a scene where it's De Niro right before in that montage of him selling knives he's in a conference with his boss and all the other knife salesmen mm-hmm. and his boss is like you guys got to sell more knives yeah. and he's like this one's a good knife and then the boss this is actually in the movie i can't make this up <laughs> he brings out a car door they're in an office building he brings out a car door and he lays the car door on the table and he goes it's a good knife and then he starts stabbing the car door with the knife and then he just starts screaming while he's stabbing <laughs> he's like ah! and it's like what the fuck is this move this five minutes in and it's fucking robert de niro robert de niro has his robert de niro face like, no, yeah, he's just like, hmm. If if Joe Pesci was there in the room, he would, like, nod to Joe Pesci. You know, like, mm, <laughs> okay. no, good knife. And then it goes into that montage, and he's, like, shaving his legs with the knife. He's like, look yeah. how sharp it is. I can shave my legs. And, and he's just, he just kind of has this sad life. 
all sort of focused on baseball too. He's like he's he's got an important meeting with a client, and he kind of skips it because he wants to go to opening opening day. Yes, with you his know, son. He, yeah, with his son, and he picks up his son and he right. brings him and. So that's that's sort of. Wait, 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 wait. I just want one more fun thing that I noticed. He ended the, that montage selling knives, saying to a customer, uh, "Knife doing business with you." Business. And it was at that point <laughs> we realized, "Oh no, this movie." Um, how little we knew about where this was going. <laughs> how little did we know? That was a big deal at the time. Knife, <laughs> knife then, selling, and then two hours later, it's so true. It establishes so many things that it doesn't give a shit about. Simultaneously, while it's establishing Robert De Niro, it's also yeah. establishing Bobby Rayburn's yes. whole th- life. So we get we get a glimpse into his half of the story. Wesley Snipes. Um, basically, you know, he's cocky. He's a big star. Right. He's totally shallow and materialistic. Right. And um, his number is eleven, which was his dad's number, I think. Yeah, and Bobby Bonds. So we see. <laughs> Uh, So we see him entering, uh, you know, entering the team, um, all that. And we get in all of these little vignettes, basically what they're trying to do is set up all these little circumstances for him to fail. Correct. So he gets into an altercation with the other star in the team, Benicio Del Toro. Primo. Primo. Over the number. Over the number. Primo has number 11. Bobby Rayburn wants it. He literally has like a good luck necklace that I believe it's that Bobby Bonds, Bobby Bonds yeah. that his dad gave him. And that's his like lucky 11. number that he had on the Braves. Yeah. So the team he was on before. They, you know, Primo wants some money, so he doesn't get his number. Right. He goes to, eventually, he goes to see uh, a little kid who has cancer. The kid has the same name as his I'm son. Not to laugh, but it's so I insane. Know, it's so over the top. <laughs> Like, he doesn't want to... He's like, I don't really want to go see cancer kids. Like, he doesn't care. He's annoyed, and then he goes to do it, and the kid has the same name as his son. Right. And then later he braids his agent like, fuck me Well, he promises, he's like, I'll hit a home run for you. Yeah. He promises to hit a home run. uh, Begrudgingly. Yeah. And then, during opening day... He kind of gets injured and loses his necklace, and right. Well, he yeah, stays the, in the game. He, gets and in just, a, <laughs> he, he crashes into Primo, yeah, in very super duper nineties terrible slow mo. <laughs> his necklace gets lost, and he injures like a rib in the, yeah. cr- in the collision. It's actually it's nuts. Just real quick, yeah. So what happens then in the movie is he like goes in the back, and like the doctor like gives him a shot, and yeah. he's like holding his side, and he's like ah, oh. and John Leguizamo's there. He's like clearly you can't go back out, and he's like I'm going, I'm going. So like, strange. <laughs> What? Again, again, no reality. Not only is it not re- like real life, it's nuts. Not baseball. Like at that it's point, I, re- I even wrote in my notes that uh, this feels like Tony Scott knows nothing about baseball, and I'm here for it. He, like, he clearly didn't give a shit about not knowing. Yeah, it's pretty insane. <laughs> Robert De Niro, of course, is at the game with his son. Yes, at totally that same game. doesn't give a shit about his son. There's one point <laughs> no, where. Someone hits, I think it's Bobby Rayburn, he hits a foul ball, yeah. and De Niro just, like, totally pushes past his son, Gets and him, yeah. his son is, like, like holds his arm, like, ow, <laughs> That is a terrible actor, by yeah. the way. And there's this woman with a Stanford hat, she's yeah, watching. very judgy. Just, yeah. As she should be. Also, there's a weird motif that they keep bringing, the Rolling Stones. Oh, so, yeah. So, like, on the way to the game, the opening day, like... They're listening to the Rolling Stones, and, and Robert De Niro's, like, singing loudly, oh, yeah, he's and he's, like, with it. he's obsessed with them. And I think they're establishing that he's, like, a pathological liar at that point, because he, like, says, like, oh, I remember oh, when... I knew the Stones. Yeah, I yeah. remember when we when Mick recorded that, we partied afterwards, and his kids in the car is like, what? And he's like, I partied with the Stones! Uh, it's not that. It's his... What did he say? 
And so the kid has a stepdad, like Tim that's, or something. Oh, that's right. And the kid's like Hank from Twin Peaks. Yeah, says. or yeah, or like it's either the stepdad or his friend's dad. He's like, my friend's dad says that Mick, <laughs> says that Mick Jagger is a faggot. <laughs> and then Robert De Niro's like, yeah, well, Tim takes up the fucking ass. Yeah, you're just like, what? <laughs> Two really, really what? Uh, problematic jokes in a row. <laughs> Uh, yeah, watching it today, uh, <laughs> kind of speechless. Also, one of the less insane things that happened I in this know. fucking movie. It just got to the point where I was like, I can't even keep taking notes on this thing. It just yeah. keeps going with the insanity. So uh, anyway, anyway we they're get at the this, game. <laughs> we, they're at the game. We get that. We get this whole. We're we're sort of force fed this whole thing that. Robert De Niro is just completely... He's a shitty guy. He's a shitty guy. He's bad at his job. He's insane. He's a liar. Right. Uh, he has this childlike temperament. Right. You know, oh, and my God. And he he's has a, this insane obsession with... With the Giants and Bobby Rayburn. Bobby Rayburn, specifically, of the Giants. Yeah. Anyway, Bobby hits a home run. Bobby does hit a home run. But he, like, says he lucked into it or something. Yeah. Uh, afterwards, because he was hurt. That's right. And then De Niro has to, like, go away for a meeting. He comes back. He the, leaves his kid at the game. He leaves his kid at the game. <laughs> Which, by the way, the drive from Candlestick Park, like, into San Francisco <laughs> to then turn around, like, park, walk yeah. in to have this it's meeting so and then turn around and come back. Yeah, oh, like, no, that, You crazy. can't do that. And, and also, can you leave the game and then come back? Also, like, how the, long was he gone? Because when he came back, lot? the game was still going yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> to go, but he, he left to go sell knives. Like, he had an he appointment. Had meeting, yeah. And then he... He gets there and the woman's like, "Oh, he's at the like the, the business the partner's at the game." So just to reiterate, he left the game that he's obsessed with, and his and kid. his son. Let me actually, yeah, he left his son at a game unaccompanied, saying, "I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom." Essentially, yeah. I don't think he even gave a reason, and he left for hours, hours <laughs> to go sell knives, which he couldn't because the guy was gone. Then he comes back, game's still going on, son is gone, kid's gone. And then he just goes home, and the Stanford woman, of yeah, course. Yeah, that lady who we talked about so earlier. So he just barges in. I think he, like, hits his wife, and then, like, Well, the wife's like, how in. dare you? We're getting a, uh, a restraining, order. restraining order. And he's like, no, I gotta see my son. And he yeah. barges in and locks himself in his kid's room. And he brought he brought the kid pizza. And at this point, I wrote down, well, I grew up a Giants fan, right? Uh, um, so I was like, this is like reliving my own memories. But <laughs> if I did coke, and my dad was very abusive. <laughs> It was a really strange experience, like seeing things that were familiar, but then like insane, not, not at all. <laughs> the bizarre. It was version. like yeah, the David Lynch <laughs> version of my childhood. So speaking of insanity, yeah, we get a kind of a montage of like basically Robert De Niro like totally flaming out of his life. Yeah, they they get a restraining order against him. He then goes to his son's game, little league practice. They they he like just disrupts the whole game, yeah. and the kid tells He's him getting to leave. closer to the edge. Keeps pushing to the edge. He loses his job. Yeah, he's like staying up in a hotel just like he listens to this was his apartment was that his apartment was that his hotel was, i thought he was in a hotel I, I, it doesn't matter it's in this flea bag place yeah terrible terrible place he listens to the radio he listens to this crazy thing about like on oh, the radio yeah. show i think like, it was that the, the yeah, radio host show there's like some scientist and he's talking about like the Freudian <laughs> like, yeah. interpretation of baseball he's like the pitcher catcher relationship he's like the pitcher is the father and the catcher is the son and she's like what do the bat and ball represent yeah and he's like well the bat is obvious <laughs> and the ball represents the ejaculate <laughs> yeah. and de niro's just like listening to all this so intensely and I was just like, what the I fuck? really expected him to just be like jerking it, <laughs> <laughs> he, and he was not. Uh, and then they're like, "We'll be right back." Yeah, like, <laughs> every every second of this movie, they just kept anti upping the ante of yeah. how 
far from reality can we get? There's no subtle. I think it was at that point <laughs> that I wrote down, and this is this is true, and you're going to agree with me. This is baseball's Showgirls. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen Showgirls, but like Showgirls Accurate. also like has no sense of reality, and it's yeah. great for it. It's fucking bonkers. This movie is the is like kind of the same. I actually, to get really like film nerdy for a second. Yeah, sure. So Spielberg and Kubrick were friends. Sure. You know, Spielberg yeah, yeah. looked at, he idolized yeah, 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 Kubrick. Yeah. So I read about them having a conversation during The Shining okay. where he saw, he either saw some of the dailies or he saw it maybe when it was done and he saw the scene where Jack Nicholson has the bat and he's approaching yeah, yeah, yeah. and he's just like going fucking crazy. And Spielberg said like, this is over the top. Like this isn't, uh, this isn't like real or this doesn't yeah. have any authenticity. And Kubrick said, exactly. Like this is, mm. this is what I like is mm-hmm. this. It's just theatrical enough for right. me. It's got to just go beyond the line. And Spielberg wanted to like toe the line and make sure. it cinematic. And, yeah. and Kubrick was like, no, you got to just go over it. The right mm. amount. And I, as I was watching this movie, I just saw the two of them being like, well, this is crazy. <laughs> like this is, <laughs> This is what you Tony, shouldn't do. Tony Scott not giving up. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so where were we? Okay, so this is legitimately what happens next in the plot. Robert De Niro goes to a bar, and Primo oh, this and Bobby so Rayburn. fucking weird, dude. Both... It's like a strip club as well. There's like girls dancing. And he he tries to talk to them and they both kind of brush him off. Primo's already there. Primo's there. And then Rayburn walks in. And then Rayburn walks in. And De Niro tries to talk to him and Rayburn just like, fuck you. He just like blows him off. And at this point as well, Primo's playing very, very well. Uh, on the that's team. right and Rayburn's in a slump Rayburn sucks yeah he's not doing well they, he know, doesn't they, have his lucky number he doesn't have his lucky number close. he may be lingering injury right. from the opening day and in his head he's like if I can get Primo's number I'll do well Could which I, is probably the only thing that's accurate to, to baseball sure. in this movie is that players are very superstitious they want the that's routine true. they want the things right. that they know that's a thing yeah. so De Niro goes to the bathroom and he's in the stall right. and Rayburn and Primo come <laughs> in and they get into a fight and I guess I guess Rayburn came there to talk to Primo about the number. Yeah, to confront him about it. Which is so strange. They just... <laughs> I don't it, know why it happened at this dive bar. It just... I wrote down in my notes, I was like, it's an astounding coincidence. <laughs> 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 to, to, to make all of this happen. That's exactly what... And it was like a... Like, they had a first draft. They're like, all right, good to go. How do we... How do Because what they need to happen, what they right. need to happen is De Niro has to overhear... Bobby Rayburn say right. to Primo, he hates Primo for the number. I need number right. 11 to be good. Right. And so he he hears this. Right. Because also prior to that, there's a montage of Primo doing well and Rayburn or uh, De Niro at the games. Yeah. Everyone's cheering on Primo and he's like, no. And then Rayburn, Wesley Snipes does bad and everyone starts rejecting him. Like the fans are turning on his character yeah. and, and De Niro's like, can't hey, it. he's very angry at the yeah. other fans for doing that. Which is crazy because he's so a Giants stu- they fan. established right away he's a, as an obsessed Giants fan I don't care who hits a home run for yeah, my team like, wanna, f- yeah. it's so weird the, the, the switch of like oh he's a Giants fan ah, no he's just a Rayburn yeah. fan like, they could have done better I mean what I think they were trying to do is show hit, like the mentality of like a stalker yeah, De Niro's sure latching on to Rayburn. So as De Niro's life is going down the drain, Rayburn is in a slump, he's not performing, and so he has this insane connection to him. But it just... Uh, you know, I don't know. They need to do it more or less. But it was in this weird in between place where you're just Correct. like, "What the fuck is happening?" And then they all met at that bathroom in a bar. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then astoundingly, 
everybody shows up at the same yeah, bar. So they're going to fight. And De Niro kind of gets this idea in his head. Right. He needs to convince Primo to give him the number. Yeah. So what he does is... Which, wait, wait, wait. Before that, this is honestly my favorite moment in the movie, which is crazy, because there's a lot of crazy moments. <laughs> He's sitting alone in his apartment with a knife, big old knife, and they cut to... Which, by the way, I think like Nine Inch Nails is playing or some crazy song. Yeah. And they cut to this clearly large, fake robot cockroach. Some big, big bug. Do you remember this part? Mm-hmm. I filmed it, so I'll show you in a second. Because <laughs> it's fucking bonkers. They cut to this big bug on oh, the wall. Oh, that's right. And yeah, then, yeah. yeah. But then they cut to outside his apartment, and there's this Hasidic Jew <laughs> that's right. carrying a chihuahua. I can't make this up, you guys. <laughs> folks, folks, I can't make this up. That's right. He's carrying a chihuahua, and he's walking past his apartment. Yep. And Robert, De- then it cuts back to De Niro. He's got the knife. Holding the knife. He's, and it cuts back to the bug, and it's like they're staring at each other. And it's they cut between, I remember the scene. Yeah. They cut between De Niro, the yeah. bug, the Jewish guy, <laughs> with the, the bug, the Jewish guy, De Niro, builds, builds, the Jewish guy, the and bug. De Niro lifts his hand. And he, and he fucking throws the knife, kills the bug, <laughs> and it goes. It cuts outside to the city like Jewish guy who's eight now, inches yeah, out the door. <laughs> at this point, he's in front of De Niro's door. Yeah, yeah, and it goes through the door, and then that's when the music like really explodes, and, and, it, and it cuts back to the bug, and it's like super dead. And De Niro's like, "I'm gonna be a super villain now." Like it was yeah. the weirdest and the, moment. And then the Jewish guy is like, "Huh? Uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep going. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep on. Gotta go keep. Gotta go feed my dog." Yeah. It's so weird. I mean, that's that that moment is like emblematic of the whole movie. It's like oh, you can yeah. see what they're trying to they're trying to build up suspense. You yeah. think that this terrible thing's going to happen, and it's really creepy. But then when it ends, you're just like, wait, what, what? the fuck? Yeah, no yeah, one. It, it's so detached from reality. Really, yeah. it felt like that. There were so many moments that it honestly felt like Batman and Robin or something. <laughs> like like that's almost a, like yeah. Joel Schumacher. Yeah, just so over the top. Just so crazy. So which uh, I enjoyed. I laughed a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if yeah, we'll we'll talk about it. Yeah. So next what happens is Robert De Niro goes to the hotel where Primo is staying, finds him in the sauna, and he confronts him. And he says, you got to give Bobby Rayburn number 11. And Primo says no. And so then we cut to Bobby Ray- uh, We cut to Robert De Niro leaving the sauna. <laughs> oh, just kidding. Surprise. <laughs> cut back to the sauna. He fucking murders Primo. Right. He goes in there, yeah, and he talks to him. There's like... He's in a suit, and it's very wet, yeah. and he doesn't care. It's a sauna, and he's just sweating yeah. and Primo's bullets. like, who are you? And he's like, mm, I'm nobody. He's you like, should, go, yeah, can, go 11, away. Give, give Raver number 11. Yeah, and then, yeah, he you says, think no. they just left. Yeah, and he cuts back, and it's like... Canted angle, slow motion. He Everything goes red. <laughs> he fucking stabs Primo in the leg. He stabbed him in the, the thigh, which evidently yeah. is an accurate... I think that there's an artery in there. I forget which one it is. Yeah. I'm going to sound like a dummy. Big one. Yeah. But you die real quick. Yeah. Someone. He stabbed him in the thigh. That's what happens. That's what happens. Right. That's probably the most accurate representation of reality in the movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So Primo's dead. Yeah. Oh, I just read a note that we failed to mention. John Crook is on this team. Oh. Did you notice that? Uh, or no. Crook? John Crook? John Crook? Do you know John Crook? He was on the Phillies. You became like a media analyst. You're a baseball nerd. Okay. He's the guy with the, he had the mullet kind of, he was on the team, a little larger I didn't guy. notice that. But what I did notice is, and I feel bad, I didn't look up his name, but yeah. the announcer yeah. who like, whenever they show a game, they've obviously got the guy. It's yeah, like yeah. Friday Night Lights. It's like an easy way yes. to get exposition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they have an announcer like Which calling not the shots of the game. Period, yeah. That guy is the same guy. He's an actual announcer and he oh. does, he does uh, MLB the show, the video game. Well, there you go. <laughs> Um, but yeah, John Crook's on the Giants not playing himself. He's just he's like acting. And it's like, yeah. why is he there? Which put a pin in it. I have a fun fact for later about him. Okay, go on. Yeah, so they have a whole like 
funeral ceremony on the at the stadium uh remem- uh, remembering primo right yeah there's and- even signs at the game like who killed Primo, Bobby? Like, yeah. the fans hate Bobby Rayburn at this point. Yeah. And are openly accusing him of murdering his yeah. own teammate. And then you know what happens? He goes four for four. Yeah. He fucking, <laughs> he's good. He's got that weight lifted off him. Does he get the number? I feel like they were... T- did- well, everybody wears a patch That's on a uniform. Right. So number 11 got patch. It. Right. Also, uh, I wrote mine. I forgot about it. Everyone has an East Coast accent in this movie. Do you know oh, yeah. That? It's full of New York fans. Yeah. What, I mean, what the fuck? I kind of loved it. It's kind of <laughs> weird. It's like Tony Scott was like, you can't be a baseball fan unless you sound like you're from New York. Yeah. And they were true. like, but, but Tony is San, San Francisco. He's like, I, I don't, I don't give a shit. Theater. Theatrical. <laughs> yeah. I'd say, I'd say 60% of this mm-hmm. movie mm-hmm. is just Robert, uh, Robert De Niro going, Bobby! Bobby! He says Bobby so Bobby! much. Bobby! Yeah. Hey, come on, Bobby. And there's a there's a there's a supercut on yep. uh, on YouTube of it's just like Robert De Niro saying Bobby. Out of way, Bobby. Bobby. Yo, Bobby. All right, Bobby. Let's go. All right, Bobby. All right, Bobby. Let's go. Come on, Bobby. Come on. Don't listen to him, Bobby. Hey, Bob. Bobby? Hey, Bobby. Get angry at me, Bob. Bob? Bobby. Oh, Bobby. Well, I'm a pitcher, Bobby. Hey, Bobby, you still up? I'm serious as a heart attack, Bobby. Hey, Bobby. Add her up, Bobby. 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 Be nice, Bob. Bobby! Now do you care? You should make that your uh, alarm alarm clock noise. <laughs> Bobby! Oh, my God. That would be what the a worst. fucking nightmare. I'd murder myself, yeah. Uh, <laughs> where uh, were we? Yeah, De Niro continues to stalk Rayburn. What happens is Rayburn does well. He goes four for four, um, but he starts to feel bad about it. You know, he feels he feels bad that Primo right. Died. Yeah, he, he actually had, this is when the this is the turning point starts for this character change. where it's like we start to like him a little bit, yeah. or like the the movie's clearly presenting like oh you should like this mm-hmm. character now, and which he, is strange because I feel like you should probably do that in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> So he gives a he gives an interview after this day, and De Niro is watching the interview. He's at a sports bar. He's watching the interview, and after the interview, he just says like, oh, "Look, I just go out there and do my job or whatever." Yeah. And but and Robert De Niro's like, "Oh, simple thank you would have been nice." Yeah. And that's when we start to get like, "Okay, we fucking know where this is going." Yeah. So De Niro continues stalking Rayburn. Right. Rayburn has like a you know like a nice beach house, yeah. which they filmed in fucking Malibu. Like, did you see that fact? <laughs> yeah, I did. Because that's <laughs> I'm bring that back up later. Uh. So anyway, he sees him like hanging out with his kid. Yeah. His kid is like out in the waves, yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. you know boogie boarding or whatever, and the dog comes and like jumps on the kid and he's drowning, and De Niro runs out and saves Rayburn's kid. Correct, because he was happened to be there because he was because he was stalking. Him. Yes. Yeah. So. Bobby Rayburn is like, oh my god, thank you so much. This is the first time that they meet in the movie. Yeah, they've talked on the phone a couple times right, through this radio right. show, but <laughs> which is so weird. A couple. I think times. He, well, he even calls him. He calls the dugout. He calls the locker room. Some, yeah. Somehow gets through to yeah, Bobby and then like, like hangs up. I'm a Bobby Rayburn. Yeah. And they're like, okay. So, but this is the first time they're physically meeting, and we're like, at this point, it's like five hours into the movie. Yeah. <laughs> I I took so many breaks. I remember pausing it. And thinking, okay, it should be almost done. And it was like not even halfway. And I was like, what? It's nuts. And fun fact, I watched it twice. Because <laughs> we, we were, we're going to record this earlier and I watched it. And then I then we pushed it off and I was, was like, Was it better fuck, the I second forgot. time? Or um, not as good? No. <laughs> well, kind of. I was also like researching while I was watching it too yeah. the second time. Anyway. Rayburn, Rayburn invites De Niro inside. He's right. like, oh, you come on in. Kid. Thank you so much. He's going to give him dry clothes. Right. 
we have this crazy scene where he's in Rayburn's closet. And, and like, it, yeah, this is the moment that, that he puts his jersey for, on yeah. and he pu- he puts on one of Rayburn's Atlanta jerseys. Which is weird. He puts on his cologne. Yeah. And then he goes out and he pretends that he doesn't know who he is. And that's that's the scene where he's right. like he's like uh, uh you know I'm so not a big baseball fan. He's like are you a he's like, I think he says well, yeah, like, Wesley Snipes is like are you yeah. a baseball fan? He's like oh kind of, you know, I, I don't know. Yeah. And he's like are you a player? And he says yeah, I am. And Robert De Niro looks at him and he's like are you Barry Bonds? <laughs> And Wesley Snipes immediately goes, oh, no, 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 he no, no. He starts no. laughing. Yeah, he laughs and says no, which right away brings into this question of reality of, yeah. so Barry Bonds exists in this universe. But, but in he, 1996, so he he's never, not on Yeah, so he didn't come, so I guess he's still on the Pirates yeah. in this reality. Yeah. I wrote down. What the fuck? I wrote down, he talks with Wesley Snipes, pretends not to know who he is, and then I switched to all caps in the moment when it happened. <laughs> I put, he calls him Barry Bonds. Ba ha 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 It's so weird. I think I, think I, I also, texted you in the, in the moment did, when I was watching, did. and I was just like, this movie's crazy. <laughs> I, I wrote after the two. This is so fucking crazy. There had to be a better way to get them together. <laughs> I, I wrote in my notes. <laughs> now we're just reading our notes. Yeah. <laughs> this movie is fucking crazy. <laughs> I think I wrote that 30 times. I wrote it yeah. over and over So again. many fucking times. All right, lightning round. Here's yeah. what happens. They, Wait, to, to, to bring it back to that re- question yeah. reality, if Barry Bonds exists in his universe, yeah. there's also a moment, two moments, that just to go off track because I like to do that and yeah. make Andrew mad. Uh, <laughs> first one was they're walking around Candlestick and there's clearly this big photo of Dusty Baker yeah. on the wall. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I know Dusty exactly. Baker exists. And like they had already established, we'd met the coach in yeah. the prior scene and it was not Dusty Baker. So it, was Je- it was Major Briggs from Twin Peaks. Wow. Two characters from Twin Peaks in this movie. And then, second thing, he's in his fucking hotel room and he's watching a Giants game and Bonds is clearly on second. Like it's really? real footage. And Bonds that's is amazing. He's clear. It's number 25 on second. And I'm like, that's Barry Bonds. That's What's going amazing. on? <laughs> they, they just didn't give a fuck. Wow. They didn't care wow. about reality that's to incredible. the point where they made a weird meta joke <laughs> about Barry Bonds. They actually, I missed it in the movie, but I read on IMDb. Yeah. Uh, I guess, I don't know if this was in the movie and I just missed it or if it got cut, but mm. I guess at one point. There was something where you see Bobby Rayburn when he's like, as a big star, he's like yeah. doing a commercial, and he like. Does this is in the book. I read that fact too. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah oh yeah. yeah, and then in the book they're like, oh, Robert De Niro couldn't yeah. have done it any better. It's fucking it's this movie, the book. I, it's bonkers. I, I wonder what. I kind of want to read the book, but I kind of really don't. It's bonkers. Okay, so here's what happens. Yeah, they, so there he's at his house. He's at his house. We're in his clothes, <laughs> and he says, "Let me. I used to be a pitcher. Let me pitch to you." Right. And De Niro pitches to Rayburn, and he starts talking. And it's weird. Let's put it's, the, really it's, weird. it's as weird as it sounds because De Niro's really like, he, I guess Wesley Snipes was like, I'll do, I'll whatever you need, man. I'll get it. You save my kid. And then yeah. playing pool, and De Niro's like, you were serious about that favor? And Wesley Snipes was like, yeah, 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 sure. And he's like, let me pitch to you. Yeah, he's like, okay. And he's wearing <laughs> he's wearing Rayburn's Giants hat. Yeah. And then he basically what happens is he's trying to get him to admit. He's like, "How'd you stop slumping, Bobby?" Right. He wants credit. He wants him to for admit, killing. Primo. <laughs> he wants him to admit that the death of Primo is what got him out of his slump. Correct. And Rayburn says, "Well, after Primo died, I just stopped caring. Right. Like, realize it's a game. Realize it's a game. Not you know, my deal. son is the most important thing. I think like, he even said, but he's like, no, we're not carrying cancer.' Yeah. Yeah. We're just playing a game, which honestly is <laughs> great. At, great way to look at it. Well, also. I think pretty accurate. Like that's like totally. What's a lot all of the hitting advice that. is yeah, just like yeah, yeah. don't get in your head, don't, don't think concept, too yeah. much, just just have fun. Yeah, just let go and yeah. and be in the moment. Trust your instincts. Yeah, but De Niro doesn't accept this, 
He's like, oh. He takes off I think his he, coat. Then he throws it at his head. Throws it, he, he takes off his coat revealing he's wearing the Rayburn jersey. There were so many cues in that scene that De Niro is absolutely fucking batshit. And, and Wesley then, Snipes takes none of them. Except kinda, at the end. Except at the end. Then he leaves. But at even the end, he's then. Like, he, he, he's like, okay, we're done. And he runs away. <laughs> he, right. But, like, prior to that, he gave him like 10. Yeah. 10 outs. That's and he was true. just like, ah, you're crazy. Oh, <laughs> I forgot to mention. We forgot to mention. He, when he saves his kids, he's like, oh my God, thank you for saving my kid. What's your name? And Robert De Niro, instead of saying his name, Gil, Renard, he says, my name's Curly. Curly. My friends call me Curly. And so through that whole sequence of him talking to Wesley Snipes, he, he keeps referring to him as, as Curly to add to more how absurd everything is that's going on. That was No his, one is named Curly. That was his father's name. What? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, that was his father's name. Robert De Niro's father? Yeah. His actual father? No, in the in the Gil's movie, father? Gil's father is named Curly. I want to say that's on me for missing that, but it's not because this movie's terrible. <laughs> I think I noticed it in a backward, like reading okay, the afterwards sure. or whatever. Because the, in the moment, I was like, what the, why, why Curly? Yeah. Here's what happens next. Bobby yeah. Rayburn's brushing his teeth. Oh, he leaves. Yeah, he leaves the it's catch. Like he runs away. Rayburn runs away. And he's like, oh, look, I'm tired, man. I yeah. gotta go. Let me know if you need anything. See you later. He goes you inside You keep his house the clothes and, and the glove. Yeah. And De Niro's just left standing outside. Yeah. Cut to Bobby Rayburn. He's brushing his teeth. Huh. Did I forget something? He puts his toothbrush down. <laughs> He goes into the bedroom. Yeah. His fucking kid's gone. <laughs> you know why? Because somehow Robert De Niro Robert kidnaps his super villain kid. powers. Yeah. He Rayburn goes into his garage. His yeah. Hummer is his gone. His Hummer's gone. Why? Bobby uh, Robert De Niro is yeah. driving the Hummer. Now De Niro is with his kid just screaming to the Rolling Stones. It's so nuts. He calls so so he calls Rayburn calls his phone, the car phone, yeah. and he's trying to talk him down and uh uh Robert De Niro's like, "I'm taking your kid fishing. Also, you better hit a home run, <laughs> and if you don't, I'm going to kill your fucking kid." <laughs> That's literally the line. And Wesley Snipes is like, whoa, dude. Oh, also, before that, he's like, De Niro's like, check the fridge. Check the fridge. Oh, yeah. And Wesley Snipes is like, we okay, don't this. hang up. Don't hang up. Please. Yeah. Okay, I'll check the fridge. Please don't hurt my kid. Oh. And he opens the fridge, and there's in a bag taped to the inside of the We forgot to set this up. When, when, De Niro, when De Niro confronts Primo in right. the sauna, Benicio del Toro. He's, like, he's like, what does number 11 mean to you anyway? Oh, and Primo right. takes his shirt off, right. and he's got a number 11. Like, it almost looked like a brand. It looked like a brand. Not a tattoo. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's like number 11 branded into a shirt. Like in like the, the like Route old, 66 yeah, road uh, sign. shield, whatever that pennant. I don't yeah. even know what that's called, but 11 instead. So Yeah. So then, <laughs> like he grew up on like movie, Route Eleven. I don't know. It's weird. Rayburn opens the fridge, <laughs> and and De Niro had carved that off of his shoulder and put it in the fridge. Yeah. And I wrote down. What'd you write down? This movie is fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so insane. So so he's kidnapped the kid, and he's basically like, "You have to hit a home run at the game tomorrow." <laughs> for me yeah now do you care now do you care yeah. bobby you care? yeah because he was really not happy again not happy that he said i think he said like what do you mean he didn't fucking care like yeah. he was really pissed he wasn't happy about that um, even though he was out of his slump it like, did, it, like it worked he it's just so, wanted credit i guess which just, is well they're just trying to make conflict like that's what correct. i i, I kind of both 
Yeah. Like, as this movie got into the third act, I both enjoyed it more because it was bonkers. They didn't give a shit. And no. also, I just got deflated. I was like, okay, you, like, you just ran out of steam. Also, at this point, it's like two, you're already two hours in. Like, it's so just... long. Anyway. Uh, so. Oh, that, I also wrote again. Holy hell, this movie is showgirls. <laughs> so. Let's skip ahead. He basically he takes he takes the kid to his old catcher and he's like, "Help me blackmail Rayburn." They take pictures of the kid. You know the 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 old catcher tries to help him leave. De Niro kills that guy. De Niro's just off the fucking deep end. Oh yeah, no, he goes. We forgot to establish too. He I just kept, want to get to the. End, I know cause. it's so much. But he he kept talking about his old uh, mentor Coop. Yeah, who he used to play baseball with. So he goes to that guy who's like now like a I think he was a construction he's, he's guy, a train yard. Yeah, yeah, who clearly at first he's creeped out. At first he didn't really. I I didn't get the vibe that Coop was creeped out that he had clearly kidnapped a kid and yeah. brought him to him. And then later on, right? And they're yeah. So is. Coop clearly. Was hiding that from Rob De Niro and then was like, okay, kid, run for it. At some point when they were playing catch. Yeah, you're right. This is pointless. <laughs> it's just so much. Okay. So the kid tries to run away, but De Niro stops him. And we cut to the baseball game. Fuck it. Right. At this <laughs> point, at this point, Wesley Snipes has like, contacted authorities and like, oh, yeah. And, this De Niro, guy, and De Niro says, if I see the pitcher right. going easy on you, I'm going to kill your fucking kid. Yeah. So it's like this. You better hit a home run. It's this insane hostage situation that i've never seen in a movie before where instead of instead of getting money he wants the star player whose son he has to hit a home run run in the game Mm -hmm. against the padres hilarious (laughs) not that hard to do uh (laughs) yeah it's like clearly you should have been able to do yeah and so the authorities like go along with this yeah yeah like all right go to the game and try to hit a home run so de niro is also at the game. Right. He, he calls the radio host who's like right. in the... This the, the and calls the radio host who's... And like threatens her and then... She's like somehow involved with the police like trying to help. Yeah, it's like, she's oh, like, he's on the line, he's on the line, it's him. Once she again, the Giants completely watch. pointless character. Yeah. Uh, and then... So is the agent. And Oh, and he says, I wrote this down... Because he's talking, he's like, like De Niro is full on, he's like Walter White at this point. He's just full on crazy. At what point did he become the Joker? Like, yeah, he's they, like they out wanted, of his fucking mind. Yeah. And and De Niro, so he's talking on the phone with the radio host, though. Yeah. And, he, and they realize it's him. And he says, I'm telling you, the Kirk Gibson home run, the Cal Ripken break and Gehrig's record, <laughs> peanuts compared to tonight. And I was just like, what the fuck is like a maniacal? How do you, oh, how do you make baseball maniacal <laughs> like, they tried their fucking damnedest um <laughs> and she says to him she's like this guy's gonna kill bobby's kid if you don't find him in nine innings yeah <laughs> Amazing. Like, and this is nothing it, then, no. it, then it starts to rain yeah. and it's the fucking most insane the most rain. rain it looks like they're all in their own shower with it on high yeah like i've never seen so it's much nuts. fake rain before and so what they do is they start this actually okay. I gotta say, yeah. this sequence of events—it's a, it's a movie mind, within itself. It's mind blowing. It's fucking crazy. It's I think at that point I wrote, um, I'd say this movie has taken a turn, but it's taken so many insane turns throughout yeah. that the tone is invisible. I, I actually, I actually read. Yeah. So one of the baseball consultants afterwards complained about it. He was yeah, like, of course. Tony Scott didn't give a shit yeah, about yeah. baseball and blah, blah blah. And part of this is he tried to explain. He's like this kind of thing not even the murder yeah this kind of thing yeah. the baseball sequence of events yeah, yeah, yeah. would never happen no <laughs> and tony scott was like oh fuck it he doesn't Wh- care whatever. he doesn't care which here's, made it good but it terrible better, yeah, yeah. <laughs> here's what happens it starts to rain 
they're gonna and it's and it's like the bottom of the eighth. It's just like fourth it's clearly, time up. Yeah, yeah gonna be his That's probably not. his last time up. They're yeah. losing the game two to one. Yeah, and they start to give him an intentional walk and they throw right. two balls right and he's like no he's like no pitch, pitch the ball and somehow not only do the cops like let this game happen they don't tell anyone else yeah that this is happening is going on. so yeah, like yeah. why not tell the other say, team like, pitch and to him <laughs> let him hit the fucking home yeah. run but the other team's like i think no. the catcher even says take it as a compliment asshole yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. just tell him that you, your kid's gonna die <laughs> so then the rain gets intense enough that they Delay the game. There's right. a rain delay. It's because it's fucking so much rain. The rain stops. Well, they all go. They, they pull out the tarps. Yep, they, they pull out the tarps. They all go into the dugouts. Then immediately the rain stops. Yeah, <laughs> they no more bring rain. the tarps back out. Yeah. They go back. And you know what? They He, he approaches the pitcher's mound. Right. And he's like, fucking pitch to me, you cocksucker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what the pitcher does? He pitches to Exactly him. that. <laughs> <laughs> they kind they try so hard to the, the announcer I think at that point says um oh that's the pitcher that he was on the uh, uh, I think he was whatever team they played opening day when he got hit. Oh, he was he was saying that like oh. that's the same pitcher. It was dumb. Really Insane. terrible exposition. Okay. So they pitched to him. They pitched to him. Strike one. But then the rain starts again. The rain starts again. <laughs> strike one, strike two. Here's my notes. I'm just going to read what I wrote. All right. Also, for uh, people listening, I wrote these in all caps. They abandon the intentional walk. Yeah. Insane. Strike two. The rain is insane. <laughs> this movie is insane. The music is insane. <laughs> music. I wrote... I insane, wrote, insane, insane. <laughs> I, wrote, I wrote, Hans Zimmer, what are you doing? Because <laughs> the tone is so, at the time, is so... so it's bombastic. Dr- it's, it's like so dramatic. <laughs> yeah. And like... It, the, the music doesn't match throughout the movie, yeah. I, would, I will say. It doesn't match anything that's going on. Hans and we love you. Not one of your best. I would say that it was probably Tony Scott's fault. A hundred percent. Because he was just like, <laughs> make it like this. And he was probably like, that doesn't really <laughs> match. Uh, sure, whatever. I'm assuming. But anyway. Because yeah. Hans Zimmer's score for um, Days of Thunder. Yeah. Tony Scott. Fucking great. I love that movie. But it kind of makes me think that like, because I know nothing about raising, that that movie he was is just like, not accurate to NASCAR. Games of Thunder on the baseball field. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, okay. So, and then I appreciated this. I wrote, yeah. the announcer comes in after yeah. strike two. And the announcer comes in and he's like, well, Bobby had two pitches to drive right there. Now sitting at two and two, you know he's not going to get another pitch to hit at this at bat. Probably again, the Hilarious. second most accurate baseball Hilarious. tidbit. I loved it. He draw. He gets a line drive. It gets past the guys, but doesn't go out of the stadium. It, w- it looked like it was for a second. Probably got knocked down by the off rain. The top of the wall, right? And he's running around. He's going super he's dramatic going, music. It's, it's pouring rain. Right. He's literally running it's, to save his kid's life. Yeah. Which I have through never the mud through the mud <laughs> like swamp. Yeah, it's a it's swamp a at this swamp. point. <laughs> and we've talked about. Things in baseball movies we haven't seen, like in uh, Take Me Out to the Ball Game, the running around the home run bases yeah, to like get the other guy. That, that was, was a fun thing I've never seen. Gag. This I've never I've seen. Never seen this where he's before. Running around the bases, in trying to be swamp. in the swamp, giant tr- puddles, trying to be safe to save his son's life. You know, you know the scene yeah. in Bull Durham when they're like, "We want a rain delay," and yes. Kevin Costner is like, "I can cause a rain delay," and yeah. he turns the sprinklers and on. The it was like that, fun. and they're <laughs> slipping in the mud. It was right. Worse but, than that. But with the stakes of saving your child. Yeah. <laughs> From being murdered. <laughs> By the Joker. <laughs> By as the Joker. So he goes for the inside the park home run. Right. They make the throw. He slides. He's clearly safe. Clearly safe. The umpire calls him out. Which, 
gets in the umpire's face. Right. He's yelling. He's like, you're he's out. Screaming. You're out. And the umpire's, yeah, the umpire's like, you're out. But it you're sounds out. familiar, that you're voice. Out. And he looks, and Bobby Rayburn sees between the masks, the umpire is Robert fucking De Niro. Oh my god! And you know what Wesley Snipes does? He punches him right in the mask. Right. Yeah, like, whoa. <laughs> that must have hurt so much, first of all. Oh my Second god. of all, Robert De Niro wanted him to hit a home run. Yeah. Why did he call him well, out? That's this whole movie is fucking crazy. It doesn't man. make any sense. Like the whole thing is like, yeah, oh, you gotta create, hit a home run for me. They create so many of their own problems. I know, and then but he, not in like a good storytelling. Way. No, just for just arbitrarily, it seemed. Here's what I wrote: The yeah. umpire is Gil. He punches him. It's raining. Everyone is fighting. He has a knife. He stabs Rayburn. The police helicopter <laughs> is there. The <laughs> fucking Padres come in. You're going. You're skipping through so much. Yeah, it's what he's saying is accurate, but it's. It's crazy. It, the most, the craziest thing ensues. <laughs> yeah, he punches him. There's a quick, there's a, a cut f- of a knife, and then it like uh, they the, fall the, on each other. All the, all the, the bent, the the <laughs> dugouts clear. Oh, they all clear. By the way, it's still pouring rain. <laughs> yeah, the, the Padres come in. Yeah, no idea what's going on. They were like, <laughs> like punch the umpire, right? The umpire. And then yeah, they yeah. fall on each other, and he, uh, Wesley Snipes gets stabbed through the shoulder. Yep. He some, pushes him off. Some the, like the hitting coach or somebody runs no, in. No, it's John Crook, baby. Oh yeah, that's it. That, John Crook approaches him and gets murdered yeah. violently <laughs> on a baseball field. He gets his throat slashed as Robert De Niro yeah. dispatches of the, him very a quickly. There's a police helicopter. Right. Fucking SWAT team comes. SWAT team. In. Go, at that, Everybody's and, fighting. And it cuts as soon as he punches the umpire. It cuts to a cop being like, "The killer's the umpire. He's the umpire." Yeah. They, they all rush the field. Bobby Rayburn has a bat and he's like swinging yes. the bat. Yeah. And so at this point, Gil Robert De Niro's on the mound with a knife. Yeah. And being surrounded by SWAT with guns. I wrote, De Niro kills a guy, SWAT team is there, Rayburn has a bat, what is happening? <laughs> like, the movie it established itself already as being one of the most bonkers sports movies I've ever seen. Yeah. And then it just fucking shot it into space. So, we're at a 7. <laughs> yeah. It goes to 11. Naughty, it goes to like 73. 8,000. Yeah. Like, it's fucking crazy. So, De Niro's on the mound. Right. And Rayburn is like, hold don't shoot him, don't shoot, don't shoot him. Don't shoot him, don't shoot him. Because this kid. whole time, yeah, they hadn't, they the whole thing the is, is, they don't know where the sun is. That's, yeah. why, that's why they, like, let this happen. So, Rayburn gives this speech, which, honestly, I don't remember at all. It's like, now do you care? Blah, 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 blah. Bobby Rayburn is Wesley Snipes. Oh, sorry. Uh, Robert De Niro. It's hard. Oh, that's fucking hard, Because Robert De Niro's real name is Bob, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Bobby. But he also says it a lot. Bobby. It's confusing. So, so Robert De Niro is on the mound. He gives a speech. He sees himself in the jumbotron. He's and right. He really likes like, that. Oh, yeah, he that. likes that. Yeah. Like you, that's what you always do in the jumbotron. Can you like, fucking oh, imagine being in the audience for this game? Uh, what? Like what? On the, TV? Yeah. Or watching? Or just being TV. there? Can you imagine? Can you imagine? <laughs> Joe Buck giving <laughs> the commentary. We need that. Uh, the umpire has a knife, and uh, I, I just, I, I don't. <laughs> Uh, uh, I think I think the the pitching coach is dead. Yeah. <laughs> then John Smoltz would come in and be like, "My day, this wouldn't have happened. <laughs> this wouldn't have happened back in the good old days." I want, um, I want that movie so. Bad. Anyway, so he's on the mound. He's giving a big old lengthy supervillain speech. And then he takes his knife. He's like, "I still didn't show you my yeah. my my the one pitch, best pitch, my best pitch." And he gets ready to pitch the knife. Pitch the knife, which we've seen can go through doors. <laughs> we killed that pug. He planted that he's like very good at throwing knives. Yeah. 
once. And, <laughs> and Bobby Rayburn is everybody. Don't, don't kill him. Don't, don't kill him. him. I need to, where's my son? That's he just keeps yelling. Where's my and son? Where's like, my son? Where the fuck is this going? Yeah, just, I kept just thinking something. like just fucking shoot him. <laughs> we'll <laughs> find the happened. kid. Yeah. And De Niro pitches the S- night. Starts to pitch it. And they shoot him a million times. <laughs> which at the moment they shoot him a million times, there's a sound cue uh, 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 the orchestral cue is like the most sympathetic music yeah i wrote i think i wrote like uh robert de niro is dying to uh chariots of fire like it's the most like like it's so emotional and i'm like thinking like i don't care that he's dying i want him to die so rayburn runs up to him and he's like where's my kid where's my son where's my son and de niro's like simple thank you would have been nice and then dies and then he it (laughs) and then you know what happens then you know what happens right the movie what? just kind of ends. Well, the movie, they, they find, kinda, him. They find they, the kid. Simultaneously, they had all been chasing a lead from Something. De Niro's son who yeah. said, like... Oh, yeah, they find they figure out it's De Niro. Then they go to his son, and right. he's like, I used to go to the old, the old minor league stadium. Right, which is... So, simultaneously, while all that bonkersness is happening, you see a SWAT team going there, and then yeah. that's where the kid is. And so, De Niro dies. Right. And then the police find the kid. We find his baseball house. His weird... There's like a weird, creepy. He's got all these bobbleheads. Once again, posters. It's a stuff. common trope we've seen in baseball movies. The baseball room. Everyone has a baseball That's room. That's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was by far the creepiest. <laughs> so um, creepy. And they find the kid, and then it slowly zooms in on a picture of him in Little League. Which is the picture that they're playing in at the, beginning, the beginning. Which is, I guess, the start of his trauma. Or, like, not the beginning of that guy's trauma, but, like, that's what he. This whole movie, he's been talking about the good old days, and it's yeah. it was when he was in Little League. And then it ends. And then it goes into this song where this, like, dude is singing, like, belting singing. Like, yeah. And that's why we... Like, it's oh, I love very it. mid-90s. It's, it's a good song, so but, like, 90s. the lyrics were, like... It's like the end of a James Cameron movie. It did. <laughs> it like felt like fucking, that. like, disconnected pop song comes on. I miss those days. Oh, I loved it. But, like, the words were, like, very clearly supposed to... Like, sympathetic to De Niro's character. Like, oh, isn't it this tragic man's fall? I think I wrote down, actually, is this Peter Gabriel? And it's not. It's not. (laughs) But Also, fun fact, in the beginning, opening day, when they showed the national anthem, that was Aaron Neville. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, Aaron Neville. And they Uh, don't even say his name. He's just there singing. This movie ended, and I stayed at the screen for about 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) I didn't didn't know how to feel. Like, Uh, Like, they clearly wanted us to feel bad for De Niro's character. Yeah. Well, okay, so that's so that's the plot of the movie. That's there you go. That's Jesus Christ. It's I think I think that crazy. took forty hours for us to just talk through it. You know, here's the thing though. Yeah. Because like I was doing the same thing. I kept checking. I was like, how much longer? That's so. Long. It's like two hours. It's like really not even that long. You know what else but is it crazy? Fucking feels like a marathon. It feels like it's so long, but guess what? Guess what, Andrew? What's that, Paul? Tell me. Here we go. Are you ready? Average shot length for this movie is three seconds. Yeah. This movie feels like a montage. Yeah. That never oh, yeah. ends. It's, well, that's Tony Scott's style. I know right? that's it's like Tony a, Scott, but it's how, like it's like he accomplished the impossible. Yeah, it's he like made a, a f- well, it's shot. It feels like a commercial for Nike. Yes, that would have played on MTV in 1996. Yeah. Maybe that's why it feels so long because for two hours. Because <laughs> you always want a commercial to end. Yeah. And then it just never ends. <laughs> it's just, it's so quick cutting. It's yeah. so stylishly shot. You know, there's a lot of canted angles oh, and all it's that. It's so stylish, yeah. I read, a, I read a thing that was like, uh, sometimes you would do movies just to test like new equipment. This is one of them. And I think 100% he did not give a shit and he was like, I just want to see what this camera can do. Well, we give a shit. 
We so do. We're gonna talk about it. Let's review uh, it real quick. Let's review it. Yeah. What did you? What did you? Think what did I think, Andrew? I thought it was very good. Um, <laughs> no, it's. Uh, I enjoyed it. I'll start with that. The experience. I enjoyed the experience because I didn't know what to expect going. All I knew that was about the Giants, and I was excited. I will say, at, by the end, I was a little offended. <laughs> um, I think but, it goes to show the Giants have the craziest fun. <sighs> yeah, I got it. I'll get into that, actually. I got a little tidbit about that. But, yeah, no, it's crazy. This movie is crazy. Like I said, I, it's it's baseball showgirls, 100%. Yeah, I, I agree. There's, like... There's a fun element of like yeah. not knowing it. We for for listeners who don't know, like Paul and I obviously we're b- fucking huge nerds. Yeah, we know a lot about baseball and about baseball well, movies. Don't, we don't know a lot about baseball. When, what I'm trying to say is like whenever <laughs> I, don't know why I said that way, <laughs> <laughs> we're doing a fucking podcast. I know. Sorry, say that again. What I'm trying to say is whenever there's a chance to see a movie that we kind of know nothing about, I at least I think you do too. Like avoid. Like I don't want to know anything. You oh know, yeah, no, going, I like a clean slate. Yeah, going in, those are the best experiences. And just, just kind yeah. of experience it, especially totally. with these older movies that you know. Right. I'm glad we didn't watch that trailer. Whatever. By the way, yeah. I, I, I if, if it's a so movie much. that I haven't seen, I won't watch the trailer beforehand. I like a teaser. I like and a solid teaser. There you go. Give me some tone. There you go. Give me some images. I like a poster. Posters are good too. <laughs> That's what I like. But like, That's don't give me don't give me a fucking two and a half minute trailer where you're describing everything that happens. And and that 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 element is what yeah. made me like enjoy and this experience a little totally. bit because it's just so crazy it's so crazy and you just it keeps pushing that boundary i, I yeah. we both wrote down our notes what the fuck is happening it's over it, and over again it really is historical in that sense yeah so it's it's nuts yeah that being said yeah yeah it's not good it's not good <laughs> i actually i got really kind of angry thinking about this movie interesting in po- like in review yeah yeah because this movie is so much about toxic masculinity and stalkers yeah. and just this, yeah, like yeah. crazy bombastic kind of celebrates it that a little bit terrible people yeah yeah it, it's not so much that it like celebrates it or necessarily asks us to sympathize with it because because it, it knows that de niro is the bad guy you know, yeah. But, but the thing it? is, yeah, right. Well, the thing is, it's not so much that it. I didn't think it was misogynistic in that it said, "Hey, isn't this great behavior?" I think there are sure. a lot of movies that do that, and yeah, this didn't yeah, yeah, do yeah. that. But it didn't condemn it. It didn't blame him for it. Yeah, yeah. And and so by the sin of omission, by not doing that, yeah. what I felt it was asking me to do was, here's this experience for your enjoyment. And sure, yeah. the only reason I enjoyed it was because it was fucking it was crazy. bonkers. And I was yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. this is a bit like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, yeah. It's comedically bad. Yes, it's so bad, it's good. But thinking about it afterwards, I was like, this is just feels uncomfortable totally. to like, hey, go see this movie, yeah. which is all of this really horrible, terrible stuff. De Niro is so terrible to women. To, the, to, to everyone, the, really. To everyone. I yeah, think I wrote in my notes, like I, in all caps, I yeah. don't like anyone in this movie. Yeah, he's awful to the woman uh, who sees him in the stadium. Yeah. He's awful to his wife. T- his clients, terrible to his, his wife, boss, his son, the, the, the Stanford lady, the stephusband, the, oh, yeah. the wife's oh, yeah, he new hates husband, that guy. Uh, the guy his he's, own kid, the guy he's supposedly obsessed with. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like at some point, it's like this isn't entertaining. Yeah. in an authentic way, it felt to me like they were trying to present that nature versus nurture argument yeah. of like it's not his fault that he's like this mm-hmm. look at he's had a really bad day any anybody could end up like this oh interesting um like you if you have a series of events like this you could snap too pushed in that direction but like i didn't 
buy that. Like it yeah. didn't, it didn't, they didn't sell it enough for me to be like, Oh yeah, I do relate to him. Like, yeah. no dude, you were a dick from the beginning. Yeah. I think, I think another thing too, is like, so I was reading about some of the other casting choices. They were thinking saw this too, of yeah. Jack Nicholson. Yeah. They were thinking of Al Pacino. Yeah. One of the problems, unfortunately with casting De Niro is he's played this psychotic so role many times. so many times yeah. and not just that he's played it so many times. Cause it's like, Hey, he's you know played what? iconically probably the biggest psychotic role. With sure. Taxi. Taxi, Taxi driver, driver yeah. Kings of Comedy. Oh, sure. Yeah. Um, Cape Fear. Okay, you're right. He's, you he's know, got a lot of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's my problem. I don't mind yeah. that he's doing the same thing. Sure. You know, he shows up and does what he does, and you know that's great. Don't the forget thing is, Grandpa. some of those other, some of those other movies, especially yeah. Taxi Driver, they have so much to say about that. Yeah. And they have so much to say about like, like you said, like the nature of insanity and all that. Yes. And this movie has nothing to say. It's just Mm-mm. like, look, De Niro's scary movie box office, and you're like, uh, okay, but I just feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> Gross inside. It didn't. Um, like I feel like if they had instead of aiming towards this. All it takes is a couple of bad things to happen, and you are a crazy person. Yeah. Because it was, like, trying to do both. It was trying to be like, look, you could snap, too. Also, he's clearly had some, like, trauma, and he's fixated on this period of his life that was good. Yeah. If they had... I feel like if they had talked about more of the trauma over his whole life, yeah. early stuff of, like, how he got to that point, sure. instead of just a few events, which led to him yeah. being even more of a dick. Something else that I thought of. Yeah. Did I cut you off? I didn't mean to cut no, you off. No, that's pretty much it. Something else that I thought How of. How fucking dare you. <laughs> I'm about to push Paul off. You are fired Sanity from Cliff. this podcast Paul's that you and murder I created. Me. If, I don't, if I don't make oh, it no. alive, Paul's going to murder me. <laughs> you better fucking oh, hit a home run. <laughs> He's going to kill my kid. One thing that I thought of also with this movie is I kind of would love to see a version of this made, like mm-hmm. better, but a version of this made today. Sure. Because of Twitter. And like, oh yeah, you no. know, our it's two things. Like one, Twitter mm-hmm. just like closes the gap between celebrities and 100%. fans or whatever. Yeah. And two, our political and social media mm. culture is so intense right now. Oh yeah, this story almost fits into that. There is so a, perfectly, there... and I feel like there would just be so much that it could say about mm-hmm. culture today in yeah. America. That's true. Whereas twenty years ago, it was just like, oh, Robert De Niro is crazy. Look out, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. But yeah, you're right. I think that would be interesting, especially. You know what they should do with the NBA? Because especially with um, mm, yeah. the social media presence of the NBA. They could have is... Kevin Durant responding. Yes, dude. Exactly. <laughs> but like, they're so... It turned out Kevin Durant is his own stalker on Twitter. <laughs> He's just trying to get more fans. <laughs> oh. I, for the record, I'm a Golden State fan. I love Kevin Durant. <laughs> Please sign with us next year. But yeah, no. The NBA would be more relevant, I think, than yeah. baseball. Because baseball... Let's face it. Nowadays, they don't. They're doing it wrong. They yeah. really should follow the NBA's model in terms of social media engagement. I totally agree. I, I anyway, tried, to, I tried to find. I tried to find some positives as, as we Let's do, do. It. Um, So I wrote down two things. Okay. <laughs> uh, the first one is I will say that Wesley Snipes gives a better performance than I kind of anticipated. Yeah. They set yeah. up. They set up both characters, both the Wesley Snipes character and Robert De Niro's character. They set them up from the beginning of like oh, I know who these guys are for this whole movie. Sure. It's just waiting for this all to play out. Yeah, yeah. And then it kind of caught me off guard when they start to make him, they start to make Wesley Snipes' character a little more sympathetic. Right. And they give him kind of an arc of he feels guilty and then he just yeah. wants to connect with his son and then by the end, yeah, I mean, they, I see. I'm looking I, I agree with what, what you're saying. It could have been done way better. I yeah. think they should have planted more sympatheticness along the way. Totally. Like oh, that yeah. cancer kid thing. 
I mean, he's here's the thing. Like, he's a good actor. Yeah, you know, of like course. De Niro's playing a cartoon character. Yes, but Wesley he's Snipes. He's good at it. But yeah. Wesley Snipes gives a good performance. Yes. he's just not given a chance to. It's, you can give see a the full sh- character. You, know, you can complex. see the struggle of him trying to give a good, accurate, realistic performance and being in this fucking bonkers Tony Scott movie. <laughs> him like tra- being dragged and like him trying to be like, I want to keep this yeah. grounded. And Tony Scott's like, more. Yeah. Speaking of Tony Scott, that was the other yeah. thing that I wrote down. It's just like style wise. Like, if you didn't yeah. pay attention to the plot. <laughs> sure. Like, it's just, I don't know, Tony Scott has such a signature style. And I 100%. haven't seen a movie in a while yeah. of his. Me neither. So, like, it was nice to go back and revisit that. And, yeah. you know, every shot is, is at sunset. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's no matter what time of day it is. It's opening yeah. day. It's 11 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. And it's fucking, like you know low red orange skies always the sun it's is very glinting strange. over the over the horizon it's a lot of sun always. in this movie in san francisco yeah, which these, doesn't make much sense it's but. these insane oranges yeah uh, very saturated yeah everything and then these crazy canted angles <laughs> and always whenever they're inside there's always this just like from heaven god beaming this light yeah. down upon whatever is the focus of the shot it was it a just, very interestingly it's, shot it's movie fun sure. you know yeah. like it's 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 like oh it's like oh yeah like people don't make you know Mm-mm. like i like michael bay is imitating michael bay from 20 years ago that's yes. like the closest that we have today that's of true something being yeah, shot yeah, totally. like this it's really cool looking and it's uh, it's so of that era yeah it's like a time capsule totally. almost um and it was nice to revisit you're right it was yeah. like it was like oh this is nice hang out with yeah. an old friend stylistically except uh, like so so the movie that I always think of of that time with that same thing is The mm-hmm. Rock. Sure. And apparently... Tony, I saw this too, yeah. Tony's got turned down The Rock. He turned it down. To make this movie. Oh, Tony. <laughs> you don't even like baseball, Tony. What the hell? Tony Scott also is <laughs> linked with always wearing a red baseball hat, evidently. Really? It's like a signature thing. Um, There's nothing about baseball. Mm. Um uh, yeah, well, so that's, that's the fan. Yeah, I'm trying to think of anything else that I liked. Oh, uh, I read something. Yeah. There was a remake of this movie what? When? in 2016. What? As a Bollywood movie. <laughs> no. of cr- About cricket? Called Fan. Loosely based on this movie. I kept seeing that when I would search about this movie, about another movie called Fan. I just assumed. It's literally all I could find. Is it really based on this movie? Loosely. Is it about cricket? I don't know. But it has should, to be, right? fucking watch it, man. <laughs> oh, no. If it's about cricket. Do we-, do we get to do movies about cricket? The oh, one. the one with John Hamm. What's yeah, that called? Million Dollar Arm. Yeah, we'll do that one. Yeah, but otherwise, cricket does not count. I will like, say my my opinion of this movie would have been a hundred and eighty percent different, a hundred and eighty degrees. If if it was a fucking Bollywood musical, <laughs> it was the same movie. Yeah, if 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 in the, with if, a if the, fabulous dance sequence every three minutes. If the reality you are establishing <laughs> is that there is everyone dancing every once in a while, you can do whatever you want. Fantastic. Yeah, go for it. I would have watched this movie every year. I wish that this movie we had just saw yeah. was a musical. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> oh, okay, that's, that's what, what saying. you're saying. Yeah, yeah. Not just a Bollywood thing. No, no, but no. Like, I wish that's all it was missing. Really, was musical numbers. Yeah, yeah. Rob Marshall should have done it. Dude, we should make this like an actual stage musical. I feel like every movie on this podcast, we just figure out what's the other movie we would rather have seen instead so of So far, yeah. That's fine. Yeah. So, so that's the fan. Go yeah. check it out. Do it, please. Go give it a watch. Honestly, very worth it. Even if it's... <laughs> uh, if you like... If you're, is it? If is you're it? into bad movies that are good that are good because of how bad they are... That's true. Or if you're into crazy yeah. fucking movies yeah. that don't make any sense. That's true. If you're which like... I love, personally. Yeah, if you're like, let's watch this because it's fucking insane. If you, you are like... A few beers and, yes. and just 
if you want that experience, literally, yeah. what the fuck is happening in this movie? We got one for you. Yeah. If you like, if you were like me and like Showgirls because of how bonkers it, bonkers it is, you will enjoy this movie. I think. Hey, Paul. Yeah. Why don't we dive into some inside baseball? Inside baseball. Oh, baseball. That's why we do this. Show. Inside the movie. I love it. Uh, okay, so as always, this movie came out in 1996. That's right. What was going on in baseball in 1996? You know what was going tell on, me, Paul? Tell me, Andrew. We were watching Derek Jeter win Rookie of the Year. It was Jesus rookie Christ. Season. Wow. And now he's getting in fights with Marlins <laughs> oh, man at season ticket man. pass holder meetings. Don't, don't. Did you read about that? Uh, no, but we should talk about it uh, later in the show. Marlins man? Yeah. Okay. We're going to. Great. Shh, spoilers. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I actually, no, I, I, everybody, you know, who doesn't love Derek Jeter, right? Yeah, I like Derek. I, I like my Derek my Red Sox fans are like, you know, and Derek Jeter. Is cool it's hard not to like Derek Jeter. Uh, I guess I heard this story that apparently when he was like, it was like spring training, and they mm-hmm. knew that they were going to call him up, and they were trying to decide. Uh, it, uh, spring training was approaching, sure, and the minor leaguers were doing like pre spring training or whatever, and so all the all the coaches were talking like, what you know, this kid, like, what number should we give him? And the only single digit that was left was number two, oh. and one of the hitting coaches said to whoever made that decision you know the the in the front office they said i think this kid is going to be really special i think we should give him number two like let's take a shot mm. and they said okay and sure enough that's like the most iconic because it's special the number the last single digit number for the yankees that wasn't retired oh every other single digit for the yankees was really retired at the time so in 1996 huh. number two was the only you know, I'm sorry for making your pictures. <laughs> no, it's all good. I understand now. Got it. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So they said uh, we, they had this idea that this kid might right, go. Let's move on. Day. We're not. Let's okay. Stop. Okay. Good. No more Derek Jeter. What else you got? Baseball. 1996. The Yankees won the World Series over Congratulations. over the Atlanta Braves. Hey. So if Bobby Raybird had re-signed with the Braves, oh, not buddy. only would he not have met fucking crazy Robert De Niro, but That's he right. would have gone to the World Series. They say briefly that he brought the Braves to one a championship with the Braves the year before. Oh, really? In the movie. I yeah. missed that. This just rewrites baseball history. All over the place. Fucking nuts. And they don't give a shit. <laughs> they don't. And that brings I have a fact real quick. Yeah. John Cruck, you probably read this and thought he was. Uh, this was on MDB Trivia. So, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. Yeah. John Cruck was in the movie, played an extra in the film. He was the guy that gets murdered by De Niro <laughs> at the, near the end. Um, and he said that he was critical of the production during uh, in several pre-release interviews, saying that while he liked Wesley Snipes, he couldn't swing a baseball in a remotely convincing way, and that director Tony Scott knew nothing about baseball and made no effort to learn. Yep. Especially, there was one instance when Kirk pointed out to Scott that in the, that the film's presentation of rows of books in the dugout was yeah. totally ridiculous. Scott told, Scott told him to go away and ignored it. Yep. That sums up the movie. Yeah. To me, right 100%. there. Oh, Tony yeah. Scott was like, oh, you know what? We need books in the dugout because yeah. it filled a frame. And he's like, there are no books the, in baseball. Uh, how about baseballs? <laughs> and he something. was like, go away. Go away. <laughs> I'm making my movie. John Crook, he tried to save it, but... Uh, Crook? Crook? Damn it. I don't know. Anyway. Actually, okay, so 1996. Yeah. I gotta say, this was an a era of great players. Like, yes, it's like oh, approaching yeah, the dude. steroid era. Yeah. You know, you kind of came into its own steroid two era. Steroid era also had great players. It, it's honest. true. Just, like, listen to this list. I don't know. Maybe it's just because I'm nostalgic or whatever. Yeah. Listen to this. Isn't this kind of in the middle of the steroid era already? I guess, like Canseco yeah. yeah. And, and, and it's true. It's yeah. true. I mean, it didn't reach its peak for sure. But well, we, no okay. one knew of anything. Just listen to this. Okay. <laughs> the World Series MVP was Bernie Williams. Oh, fuck. The MVP of the All-Star game was Mike Piazza. Oh, fuck. 
John Smoltz won the Cy Young. Oh. Derek Jeter won Rookie of the Year. Dang. Ken Griffey Jr. won a Gold Glove. Dang. A Rod and Tony Gwynn led the league in batting average. Oh. Mark McGuire led the league in home runs with 52. Wow. Andy Pettit and John Smoltz led the league in wins. Roger Clemens pitching for Boston and John Smoltz <laughs> led the league in strikeouts. It's like, what a fucking list of players. It is incredible. You know? It's also like our era of yeah yeah, yeah totally. of growing up in baseball too so. all of those guys are so yeah. like no matter what legends. you feel about them they're so all iconic, legends yeah. yeah and ken caminiti won the mvp hmm. uh and then of course later on went open to went to blow up in the conversation about steroids when he was like oh yeah i was doped up out of Whoops. my asshole with that <laughs> yeah uh also yeah this year while we're talking about barry bonds let's do it barry bonds hit his 300th career home run he had and, 42 that season, And I think? he became the second member that. of the 40-40 club. Hey! 40 home runs and 40 steals. No one's ever going to do that again. After, yeah. take a guess. He was, he was the number two guy to do it. Who was the first guy to do it? In baseball? in baseball? There's only two in this club? At the time. There's more. Oh, there's more now. Who was the... So, Barry Bonds, when he... In 96, he was the second person I would ever. assume it's either Willie Mays or Bobby Bonds. Nope. I'm wrong. Both yep. counts? Yep. Let me, uh, I'll give let me you a guess. I'll give you guess. a clue. Okay. The Clown Prince of Baseball. Oh, fuck. Is it Manny Ramirez? No. Manny huh. Ramirez? What? No? Jose Canseco. Oh, uh, come on. Manny Ramirez <laughs> took on that mantle. Oh, uh, nobody era, like though. the fucking home run on Canseco's this head. so true. <laughs> Wait, let's, let's, let's. Literally crowned him. <laughs> the Clown Was Prince Manny of even it. playing in 1996? Uh, who knows? I don't think so. I don't think so. Maybe. Maybe. I don't know. Uh, See, I know nothing about baseball. You want okay? Then the saddest thing before we yeah. move on. The saddest thing about 1996: Michael Kopech, Justice Sheffield, Alex Verdugo, Freddie Peralta, Tuki Toussaint, Caleb Ferguson, Julio Urias, Jordan Hicks, Rafael Devers, Glaber Torres were all fucking born. Wow! If you don't know who they are, they are either rookies this year. I was year. about to say Julio. He's pitched for the Dodgers, right? Yeah, they were all either rookies this year, or they're highly touted prospects, right. or they just debuted within a year. And now we feel like we're a hundred years. And old. then look at my notes. I wrote "fuck them all." Oh fuck. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so that's what was going on that's in baseball, baseball in 1996. You know what else was going on in 1996? <laughs> well, what? What, Andrew? Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, baby. Let's talk about him. Here's just a snippet. Here's just a little. Here's just a little bit about Barry Bonds. Are you just going to explain who Barry Bonds is? Barry Bonds received seven <laughs> National League MVP awards. Yes, he did. 14 All-Star selections. Yeah. He had the most home runs in a single season. That's right. He has the most career home runs for, for his entire career. That's correct. He's a home run king. He has the most career walks. He has yeah. eight gold gloves. He ranks second in career war amongst all Major League position players. Who's first? Ever. First is Babe Ruth. <laughs> That's fair. And that's on both Fangraphs and Baseball Reference, which each have their own statistical sure. war. He dominates both. Wow. Uh, yeah, he was pretty good. <laughs> a little bit. A little bit. a B plus. Yeah. <laughs> so clearly, Bobby Rayburn is Barry Bonds. Right. In this movie. The right? movie they really were making a Barry Bonds. In the book, it's in the, in the Boston, book, right? It's this all takes place in Boston, so and Bobby Rayburn is white. Right, so it's clearly not Bonds in the so book. So that was one of the things who that they was were supposed to be. Well, that's that was sort of Fisk? in discussion. That was in discussion even at the time, because mm. um, a lot of prominent white actors were up for the role. Um, I saw Brad Pitt was up for it. Yeah, yeah. Brad Pitt really wanted to. Which do would it. have been a fun little Moneyball spin. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Also, fun fact: Cinematic Universe getting ahead of ourselves a little bit, but Wesley Snipes' second iconic baseball role he's played. That's true. Willie Mays Hayes. And uh, Robert De Niro played another baseball role also in uh, Bang the Drum Slowly. Oh, shit. Less iconic. I have not seen that. I probably will see it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah. 
we should watch it for this show. <laughs> oh, what a good idea. <laughs> okay, but yeah, Bobby Rayburn is Barry Bonds, Correct. right? Like yeah, he, 100%. Yeah. They make a meta joke about it in the movie. They do. So here are some comparisons that I okay. found. Because they actually they give us a lot about Bobby Rayburn in the movie. That's true, yeah. Right? They throw a lot of stats. Okay, Bobby Rayburn Hit versus me. Barry Bonds. Bobby Rayburn signs $40 million. Yeah. Biggest contract in baseball at the time. Yeah, yeah. Same for Barry Bonds. Signed for 43.75. Wow. Bobby Rayburn, they say, 310 lifetime average. Through the 1995 season, yeah. I wanted to look up what was Bonds' lifetime average through then. Yeah. It was 317. Okay. You know where he ended okay. up? 296. Really? Yeah. Isn't okay. That crazy. That is crazy. Because they fucking walked him all the time. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> More similarities. Obviously, he's the hometown boy. Grew up in San Francisco. Bobby Rayburn says, oh, I got ties right. here and blah, blah, blah. Of Son course. of a major league player. Yeah, of course, Barry Bonds is the same. So, big free agent signing from elsewhere. Right. You know, the same thing with uh, Barry Bonds and the Pirates. Played center field, except Bonds played left field. Um, okay, and then this is the last one that was crazy. They say on the radio, they say he's led the league in RBIs, which fucking like why that why that stat you know why because the screenwriter didn't know anything about baseball clearly yeah uh he led the league in rbis for the past five seasons that's fucking crazy that's very hard to do let me show you how fucking crazy that is because i was (laughs) i wanted to dig into that i was like that would be the most amazing statistical thing in history okay guess how many times first of all guess how many times barry bonds led the league in rbis runs batted in twice one time. Really? How many? 1993. He was, it was the only time that he led league in RBIs. How many RBIs? How many ribbies? Uh, okay, great. I don't know. <laughs> Look it up, people. Look it up. It's, honestly, all of these are around okay. 100. Sure, yeah. Like 116. Yeah. yeah. is a big season. The closest to that record that they're stating in the movie, Cecil Fielder led the league in RBIs for three straight seasons from 1990 to 1992. Wow. Never did it again, I don't think. Maybe once. Three? I remember. Three straight seasons. 1990, 1991, and 1992, okay. The second kind of closest might be equally sort of impressive. Lou Gehrig and Babe Ruth both led the leagues in RBIs four out of five years. Wow. So it was like two, and then they missed one, right. and then two again, or whatever. Lou Gehrig from 1927 to 1931. baseball. Yeah. Babe Ruth <laughs> from 1919 to 1923. Okay. Those five seasons. Cap Anson... Yeah. Led the league in RBIs for six out of seven years. Cap Anson, huh? Yeah. From 1880 to 1886. Jesus Christ. That's insane. Seven years? Uh, six years out of seven. Wow. Yeah. It was like three and then it in the 1800s. Three. In 1880. <laughs> amazing. What an amazing game this is. <laughs> I love it. And he played for the Cubs. Didn't win six out of seven World Series in that time. Wow. I mean, it was before the curse. They probably That's true. Won yeah, a couple. Fuck it. They no. won a bunch. Um, <laughs> this next segment. Okay. Let's, let's, we're not done with Barry Bonds. Okay. Is this the one you wanted? You oh, were yeah. excited? Okay. So Andrew texted me. He's like, I can't wait. Again, he had another surprise for me. So. Okay. This is a new segment that we're doing. We might bring it back later on. Is it? Okay. Go ahead. This segment is a segment <laughs> I like to call Barry Bonds. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Very into this segment. Okay. I'm very into this segment. <laughs> hey Thank you. Uh, okay. This is where I read fucking insane facts yeah. about Barry Bonds. Okay. Let's do it. Uh, there are, okay. I've, also, I just want to say there's a ton online, obviously, about like Barry Bonds' place in the game. Yes. Was he a hero or villain? Like, does yes. he deserve to be in the Hall of Fame? Yes. Like, 
I, I don't want to have that conversation. He does. He, he absolutely deserves <laughs> no, to be no, in the no, Hall of Fame. Uh, I, oh, God, that's what you're saying. Okay. No, I like th- that conversation has been had a million times. Yeah. Right. We're going to have it right now. He deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> uh, 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 what do you think, honestly? You just, just fucking threw me off a cliff. I don't I'm so sorry. Know. What do you think? <laughs> All I was trying, uh, uh, yeah, sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah he deserves it. He deserves it. Yeah. Even if he's infamous, it's still fame. It's true. He deserves it. Doesn't mean beforehand. Yeah. Totally. I I like. I like baseball. I think the argument is: is he the greatest or not? Because he cheated. That's a different argument to whether he belongs in the Hall of Fame or not. Yeah. He totally belongs in the Hall of Fame. Roger Clemens belongs in the Hall of Fame. If I get fucking ripped and do a bunch of steroids, I can't do what he did. You know who's no one can. You know who's not in the Hall of Fame. Hmm. This is just a side note. Roger Maris. What the fuck? Are you kidding me? Is he really not in the Hall he's of Fame? He's not in the Hall of Fame. What are we he doing? He wasn't elected at the time, and then he's oh, never yeah. been elected by the veterans' committees. Oh, because oh, afterwards. What are we doing with our lives? I know. It's, that, that always made me sad. Let's start I don't a know. petition. It's fucking bullshit. Let's start man. one. Okay, go on. Let's okay. your new segment. Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds, what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> okay. Uh, I got a lot of this from a 2004, uh, 2014 essay by Jordan Schusterman. Okay. He's writing on a blog called The Cespedes Family Barbecue Blog. It's all about baseball and weird facts. Craig Biggio drove in 1,175 runs in his 20-year career. Okay. Barry Bonds' home runs alone drove in 1,174 runs. Oh, my God. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's fucking nuts. How many many RBIs does he have? Uh, Total, I don't know. I'll look it up. There you go. Okay, what is it? Okay, it is... 1,996 RBIs. In his total career. His total. Amazing. Including home runs. Amazing. Fucking crazy. From 2001 to 2004, yeah. war. Okay. Now, again, I think we've done it in previous podcasts. Yeah. But if you don't know, war is a stat called wins above replacement. Basically, the idea is uh, trying to figure out one stat that kind of defines a player, incorporates right. offense and defense. The basic idea is like, how do you compare players who are doing different things in the field? Would you win... Because of this player, yeah. How, how many, often would you? How many more wins do you right. have by having this guy as opposed to the league average guy? Right, right, right. Total WAR. Okay, from two thousand one to two thousand four. Okay. The Montreal Expos total WAR for the team mm-hmm. was thirty point seven. Yeah. The Detroit Tigers thirty point nine. The Kansas City Royals thirty one. The Milwaukee Brewers forty five point three. The New York Mets. 46.6. Okay. Barry Bonds by himself. Yeah. 46.6. Oh my God. He had a higher war than like 16. <laughs> <laughs> by himself. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, dude. Deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Barry Bonds is the most intentional walks in all of baseball history. Oh boy. By a hilariously wide margin. Please tell me. Number three. Albert Pujols. Yeah. Again, this is from 2014. Yeah, so sure. Probably got some more. Albert Pujols, 275. In I think at the beginning of the season, it was 315. Okay. Hank Aaron, 293. Okay. Intentional walks. Oh Barry God. Bonds, 688. <laughs> he has three times as many intentional Fun walks. Fun fact about that. So when that was happening, when they were walking him all the time, like all the fucking time, like yeah. With the bases loaded many times. Bases loaded, they walked him in. At at uh, <laughs> at Pac Bell Park when when it was called Pac Bell Park. They would hang you know where they hang the K's mm-hmm. on the wall like mm-hmm. most parks? They would hang rubber chickens for every time <laughs> intentionally walked. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Speaking of intentional walks, from two thousand one to two thousand four. Okay? Mm-hmm. Couple couple seasons in there. The Diamondbacks were walked 
232 times. The Phillies were walked 237 times. Total. The whole team. The whole team. The Expos were oh, walked Jesus. 252. I like that you're throwing out the Expos stats because, you know, yeah. you got to show some Expo love. The Cardinals, as a team, were walked <laughs> 260 times. Barry Bonds was walked 284 times. Jesus. He alone was yeah. walked 20 more times than the entire St. Louis Cardinals. That's crazy. That's crazy. And it reminds me of, and I'm sure, we, I think we've talked about this video before in our friendship. Mm. But it's that, I think it's SB Nation yeah. video called... Oh, uh, they've got this great video. Yeah, it's called um, What Would Happen If Barry Bonds Never Swung the Bat. Yeah, if he didn't have a bat. <laughs> if he didn't have a bat. They, they do this whole thing yeah. and basically, like, go find this video. It's so look it up. ridiculous and amazing. It's so funny. The gist of it is he still would have been, like, the best player of yeah. all time. <laughs> <laughs> amazing. From 1993 to 2007... Let me repeat that. Yeah. From 1993. That's a long time. Until 2007. He retired in 2007, didn't he? From the beginning of Bill Clinton's presidency <laughs> to almost the beginning of Obama's presidency, <laughs> Barry Bonds had more intentional walks than the Twins, Rangers, White Sox, Orioles, A's, Blue Jays, Royals, and the Tigers. The whole fucking team. Wow. Fr- like... Wow. During that time. (laughs) During that time. That's insane. That's crazy, dude. What the fuck? What the fuck? (laughs) Here's one. Barry Bonds, Willie Mays, and Willie McCovey account for 12.3% of the home runs in the history of the San Francisco Giants franchise. Wow, that's fucking crazy. Do you know when the San Francisco Giants franchise was begun? I think it was like 18... 1883. Yeah. Crazy. Three guys, 12%. That's amazing. How many thousands of players? Three of, the, are, are, three of the arguably best players of all time. Absolutely. Yeah. But how many thousands oh. of players have played in 120, 40 years? 140 years. A lot. That's amazing. That is crazy. 12%. That's a big number. That's a really big number. <laughs> For just three dudes. Okay. Only four players have had multiple seasons with 30 intentional walks okay. in the season. Okay. Albert Pujols had, two, had three seasons. Okay. Willie McCovey had two seasons. Yeah. Ryan Howard had two seasons. Sure. Barry Bonds has ten seasons. What the fuck? That's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> that is insane. Yeah. Barry Bonds drew 1,870 unintentional walks and 688 intentional walks in his career. Yeah. In distance, he was walked 43.6 miles. <laughs> walked. <laughs> I wonder if he would have been walked more if the new rule had been in effect. Because uh, it, fa- it was faster? Because it was faster. I just, 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 yeah. just, just, just do it. Yeah. Wow. I wonder maybe. if it would have, would have affected it at all. Okay. Here's a very Steph Curryan fun fact. Barry Bonds is the only member of the 500 home run and 500 steals club. I did know that, yeah. He's also the only member of the 400 home run and 400 steals club. Who's closest? <laughs> Uh, yeah, I have no idea. Steph Curry, probably. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This Did, no one, remember? no one will ever, ever, ever come close to that again. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah. That it, uh, <laughs> no insane. one steals anymore, anyway. So what the fuck, Barry Bonds? It's fucking crazy. You're crazy. Yeah, love the guy. Uh, <laughs> here's I have, one. I have a very complicated relationship with Barry Bonds. Here's another truthful. one. Barry Bonds has 688 intentional walks. Yeah. In 12,606 plate appearances. Okay? So, okay. in basically 12,000, 
twelve and a half thousand plate appearances. He has six hundred and eighty-eight intentional. Seven hundred-ish times. The Tampa Bay Devil Rays, the franchise, the franchise, in, total, the whole history of it. In the whole history of it, they have four hundred and seventy-one oh, intentional walks my God. in ninety-eight thousand nine hundred ninety-two plate appearances. So, what in, the fuck? In ten times the amount of plate appearances across the entire team, they have. About granted, half. They're an expansion team. Yeah, but, but they're still, a fucking team. But still, 98,000 times. Do you know how many players play for a team? That's so true. Every fucking pinch hitter. Oh, my God. Every fucking uh, time someone gets injured and they bring up a minor league guy. When they expand the team in September yeah. and it's a 40-man roster. And, like, intentional walks yeah. don't happen that often. It's crazy, apparently, except for Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, it was all the time. I, I, remember, I remember growing up. It was just, it, like, it was so much. Like I said, that they... Made a whole thing. They would hand rubber chickens out to the fans. It was like yeah. giveaways. Everyone would twirl around. it around their head, and they would hang it. And people, we would boo voraciously. Uh, here's here's a couple. Of, I wrote this one down just because I like the way it's phrased. Yeah. Do you like awards? Pick any two players in the Hall of Fame. Barry Bonds has more MVP awards than both of them combined. That's nuts. Fuck. That's great. Yeah. That's no, he definitely doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Dude, but he's not in the Hall of Fame. He's got to be part of it. I wonder if this is on your list. Players intentionally walked with the bases loaded. That's got to be a pretty select oh, club, right? Absolutely. I'm sure it is. I don't have it on my list. That's fine. <laughs> I just copied all this shit from this other guy. <laughs> Blame him. That's most of what we do anyway. List. Okay, this one, this one was insane. This is, this is the last one. Okay. Okay. Uh, if you turned every home run Barry Bonds ever hit into yeah. an out instead of a home run, okay. his career on base percentage... Oh, Jesus. Would be 384. Oh my God. Which is the same as Alex Rodriguez <laughs> in his whole career. You're telling me, so 762 home runs, if you made them outs, yep. he would still have a very all star Hall would of have Fame level on base Alex percentage. Alex Rodriguez's on base percentage. That's fucking insane. You take Alex Rodriguez's on base percentage and add most career home runs right. and everything that that entails, and that's Barry Bonds. Wow, dude. What the fuck? What the fuck? What Barry the Bonds? fuck, Barry Bonds? You're fucking not human. <laughs> yeah, well, He's crazy. Hey, he needed a little help, I guess. But yeah, it, it, <laughs> a little help, a little help from his <laughs> steroid friends. Like I said, I have a very complicated relationship with Barry Bonds. I mean, look, th- this stuff is so ridiculous and fun. You know, oh like, no, totally. Like, whatever and, you feel about Barry Bonds, yeah. if you love him, if you hate the guy, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like the Yankees are like it's preposterous. The Yankees are like the hated administration. Yes. But Barry Bonds is like the fucking president. People love <laughs> like, people, people love to, love hate, to yeah. hate on Barry Bonds yes. as the guy. He's the you he's know? the villain. He's a scapegoat but forever and no matter what. This shit is insane. I mean, sure, it's it's some of it is it's, not it's, real. Everyone but. was using steroids. Yeah, he gets pinned for it because he was so good, he, and they made him that much better. The problem is, yeah, because I I think the steroid era is fascinating. The problem is. Uh, Howard Bryant actually has mm-hmm. a great book called Juicing the Game, which is like the history of steroids yeah. in baseball. And basically what he says is like, because Barry Bonds' big defense was like, it takes so much to hit a home run. You got to get timing. Yeah. You got to know the pitcher's weakness. You yeah. got to anticipate where he's going to throw it. That's true. He he's basically he was like, you have to have insanely high baseball IQ. Which to, he does. To know how arguably. to hit a home run. Yeah. And Howard Bryant, in his article, in his book, what he says is, that's not the problem. Like mm. the problem is all these guys already have that. They're already yeah. in the major leagues. They're already the best players. It's true. The best players at doing that yeah. in all of baseball. So 
you take that insanely high baseball IQ and Barry Bonds, no matter, look, no matter what, yeah. Barry, I think Barry Bonds is like the smartest baseball player. That we've, oh, yeah, ever. oh, yeah, yeah. Certainly the smartest hitter. Yeah. You take that and you add the juice. The juice. <laughs> like you add, Suddenly your bat speed is You add 15 insane. yards yeah. no matter what no to matter any, what. any any hit that you're going to get. You're going to hit it all out. Yeah, it's going to be crazy. And that's what kind of broke baseball is like instead of you, there, there's like a sliding scale, yeah. right? Of like minor league players would use the juice to get into the majors. Right. Aging players would use it to stick around a couple more years. Which he did. And the, that's the thing contract. we're not talking about either. Which, like, which he totally the, did. He was fucking how old when he was breaking but all these But you take the biggest and the best and the smartest yeah. and you give steroids to that guy and it breaks baseball. Yeah, he like, did. That's, that's that what deserves happened. to be in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> He's famous for that. <laughs> There's... um. I read some incredible things actually about Barry Bonds' preparation. Mm-hmm. This may have been in the Game of Shadows, which is a great book. Okay, uh, which is by the two reporters who kind of broke the Balco right, 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 right. scandal. Uh, it may have been in that, but either way, names. check out that book because yeah. it's really good. But I was reading about some of his uh, preparation technique. One thing that he did was he used tiny balls yeah. and a smaller bat, yeah. and he had them crank up the the cannon to like 150 miles an hour yeah and he would try and hit those oh my god so that then when he used a big bat yeah. and they're throwing it you know this was i mean sure there were the juicing players but like for pitchers it was more to not get injuries yeah. so it didn't necessarily make them throw 100 like they're doing now they sure. train for that or yeah. whatever so it's like you take a tiny ball and a tiny bat and 150 miles an hour and then you go out there and you've got a huge fucking bat yeah. and they're throwing 94. It's like running with weights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. He also, I guess... Have you seen that... Wait, sorry. Have you seen that crazy old video from Japan? Where the, oh, yeah. They did Bonds 200 miles and, an hour. Um, Bonds and... Uh, it's somebody else. And it, yeah, well, maybe... maybe I think oh, yeah. we're talking about the same thing. Like, they do crazy pitches. like 200 one, miles an hour. 200 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah. One, at one point, a pitcher standing on a ladder. Yeah. I'm like throwing down and Bond still hits it. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. And what were you going to say? Uh, I, I guess another thing about Barry Bonds is he had this incredible eyesight. Yes. And he was always able to like see the road I was signs. About, I was going to bring that up. Yeah. yeah. I guess another thing that he did was he would paint on the balls mm-hmm. numbers mm-hmm. and then only swing at the even numbered or like the odd or whatever. Interesting. Only swing at certain numbers because he was specifically trying it. to train his eye to see and identify that. I have heard that the average like eyesight for baseball players is like 2010. Sure. Like you yeah. have to have stellar oh, eyesight yeah. in order there, to be a good hitter. There was amazing. There, there were stories of Barry Bonds who would just like sit in the dugout and just like without look like a comically like a yeah. movie scene without looking just like call what the pitches were yeah. like fastball curveball blah, just blah, hearing blah. it or just, i mean or i mean it, sure. seeing it but like the idea is like he wasn't he wasn't even like studying and paying attention oh, he was just kind of like there in yeah. the dugout yeah. and was just so smart about baseball knew, knew what the pitcher was gonna knew throw. what the pitcher was gonna throw could situation identify wise, it right. situation wise and all that and he was absolutely right and everybody else in the dugout was just like look we hated the guy yeah but you can't deny he's so fucking impressive i heard another i heard a, this was recently this season i feel like it was i was watching a game and kruko mike kruko one of the announcers for the giants one of the best announcers in the game really, <laughs> best broadcasting team in the game <clears throat> he was talking about how bonds would would say that he would see the pitch as like a like an alley essentially mm. and if 
if it went out of the alley, he wouldn't swing it. Like he had this weird tunnel vision of like he knew if it was going to yeah. be over the plate or not, Amazing. and could had the self discipline enough yeah. and some weird sixth sense about a tunnel yeah. <laughs> to know if it would go in and out and would hit yeah. a home run. Amazing! It's crazy. Uh, what the fuck? What the fuck, Barry Bonds? Anyway, you're crazy. Yeah. Remember when his head grew like eight sizes? <laughs> I do. Now we're talking about the problematic side to my problematic relationship with Barry Bonds. Remember when he was better from his age, like thirty to forty seasons? Yeah. Than when he was twenty yeah. to thirty. It's crazy. When did? How, how old that was he happened. when he broke the record? When he broke the single season, he was like thirty-eight. Yeah. Or something. He's, yeah. He's, I'm just yeah, he started saying facts that are probably not true. But no, but it's yeah. He's he was old as shit. Yeah. He he like started like in 1998. He was like we're talking 30. now. But, like, the Giants this season signed Evan Longoria and McCutcheon. Yeah. And they're 32, 33. And, and everyone's like, were. your team's so old. I know, Barry I know. Bonds broke the single season record way above that I age. Know. It's fucking crazy. So ridiculous. What the fuck, Barry Bonds? What the fuck, Barry Bonds? That concludes the segment. What the fuck, Barry Bonds? I loved it. I can't <laughs> wait to bring it back. <laughs> I got a thing. Okay. Well, yeah, let's do your thing. Let's do my thing. Yeah. It's a quick thing. Cool. This episode's already five hours long, so fuck <laughs> it. So, there's a moment in this movie. Okay. Where it's in opening day, and Robert De Niro brings his kid to the game. It's right before the game starts, and the, there's a mascot. That, I don't know if you noticed this. There's a Giants mascot on the dugout, and then he's actually like walking down the, the seal, stairs. Right? It's like a weasel. It's a mascot that, as a Giants fan, I went, what the fuck is that? <laughs> that, I don't think, has ever been a Giants mascot. It's like uh-huh. this weasel guy. So I'm like, oh, well, maybe it was before Lucille, um, you know, the famous yeah. current Giant mascot. So look it up. Not a real thing. They just made it up for the fucking movie. <laughs> but it was prior to Lucille being created, right? Yeah. And so I looked it up. I was like, okay, well, maybe it was based on some other mascot. The Giants didn't have a mascot. Huh. Notoriously so, until 1984. Okay. And I'm about to tell you a little fun story. Oh, I can't wait. So there's a whole video about this, uh, a 30 for 30 on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And it's actually, it's like 12 minutes long. It's directed by Colin Hanks, who okay. is also, wow. he's a big Giants fan. I don't know if you knew that. Follow him on Twitter. It's a big, uh, shout out to Colin Hanks. Go follow him on Twitter. He's cool. a huge Giants fan. Um, he directed this thing. It's a little documentary about, in 1984, the Giants had a mascot called the Crazy Crab. Um, now, no. the, yes. So um, they didn't have an official mascot, and during that time, they super sucked. Uh, okay. In nineteen, especially in 1984, I think they lost like 96 games. The year before that, they lost like 84, 85 games, and so they made a series of commercials. Also, during that era, that the, the Giants' slogan was um, "Come on, Giants, hang in there." Like their slogan was literally like, "You're doing your best. <laughs> you'll, you'll be okay." Like, that was the slogan. Everyone Don't knew. Give up. Yeah, you just keep playing. <laughs> that's please. our. That's how we rally the team. <laughs> yeah, just um, don't. Don't give up. So they had the series commercials where they were going to introduce, like in this meta, you know, world of the commercial, they were bringing in a mascot called the Crazy Crab. Okay. And all the, but like the idea of the commercial was that in in San Francisco, Giants fans are different than most baseball fans. They're purists. They love baseball and they hate mascots because it's a distraction. So they bring the crab on the field and all the fans hate him in the commercial they start booing him and yelling and throw shit at him and even frank robinson the manager it was a commercial we'll watch it later it was frank robinson's the manager at the time he even like has a moment where he's like get the hell out of my face stupid crab and he like pushes him the idea was that he was the anti-mascot that was the idea right okay then they actually brought him onto the field like after the commercials that season and fans 
immediately booed him. Like, oh, did that? They, they like they, they bought they into that. the anti mascot <laughs> thing and just started throwing shit. And so Jeez. they kept bringing him back. And so this the documentary I'm talking about is about like that performer, and he's like talking about how terrible it was and how people would throw shit. And like Dwayne Kuyper, the partner to Mike Kruko, the broadcasting team, he was a second baseman at the time on the Giants. He was like, we even fucked with him. We would throw rosin bags because it was like that was the idea. Was that like Jeez. you're supposed to hate this thing because it's yeah. not it's an anti mascot, but it got to the point where like he had to get further away from the field because they would throw shit <laughs> but because of that they would throw heavier things to reach My him God. he said at one point they threw like balloons full of pee at him Jeez. like it got <laughs> bad and because the team sucked so much it was like a, a scapegoat for their for their fucking frustration for their anger at the team they all vented it at this stupid crab and it got so bad andrew this is not true he had to wear a crash helmet underneath oh the costume God. and a reinforced steel plate on his back just to take all the punishment of all the shit being thrown at him. And they wouldn't stop. The team was no. like, oh, this is the only thing that the, the team fans kept got, throwing so. shit. Yeah, they encouraged it, right? And so at one point, they were playing the Padres and a, an unnamed, you know, I'll read this part because this is, this is true. It culminated with him being assaulted by an unidentified Padre player who, quote, grabbed him from behind, threw him to the ground, and brutally beat him, quote. Now, that's a quote from the stenographer from the courtroom because the guy who played the crab, Wayne Doba, sued the Padres. He sued them because his back was all fucked up and he couldn't perform for the rest of the season. I think it was like two more games left. But regardless, he won at a settlement. He won like $2,000 to fix his back because a Padres player beat the shit out of him. Isn't that crazy? My mouth is literally, people can't see, my mouth just fell open. Nuts! (laughs) It's crazy! Poor guy. And a poor, super poor guy. Fun fact, this season, the Giants, the 2018 season, actually, in my preface, 2017 season, Giants super sucked it up and lost a lot of games. And so this season, don't you smile. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, he just smirked. He just smirked real that. big. I didn't say anything. He's very excited about the Giants being s- s- shitty. I feel like you have a team. Here we are. Is at the bottom of the National League. And you have a team today that's playing in the World Series. I know. I know. You know, just fun fact the Dodgers are playing the Red Sox in game three today. Uh, three, you know, NLCS in a row, two World Series in a row. Two World Series. You won the National League West five You went times to the World So you went and then you what? Did you uh, lose? You lost. Okay, so... How'd the Giants do? <laughs> okay, shut up. So, um, what was I even fucking saying? This season, as like a fun little anniversary thing, I guess, they brought him back. The crazy crab came back this season. Oh my god. And they he, gave... They had okay? like a, I don't know. If, I don't think it was the same guy. Did people boo him? No. Yeah, kind of. Well, like, he was actually like being an asshole. Like, they kind of turned it around where he's like antagonizing. Oh, he's crabby. Right, yeah. Hey. Whereas back in the day, he was just kind of like, I'm, I'm here, here dancing and people would like hate him. <laughs> But yeah, so that's my fun little mascot story. Wow. That's, yeah. that's Isn't that crazy? That's I highly recommend it. Go look it up. Crazy Crab 30 for 30. It's on. It's online. It's really good. I. That's more than I've ever thought about mascots in my whole life. Yeah, you're welcome. Except, <laughs> except Mr. Met, because he's the best. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Uh, great song. Yeah. Uh, no one would throw shit at Mr. Met. <laughs> we love the guy. <laughs> it would bounce off. I got I got another one. So this, yeah. is, this is kind of a sad thing, but it was, okay. it was pretty amazing to sort of see this happen in the movie, because um, it connects to me. So... The scene where Bobby Rayburn goes to visit the kid who has cancer. Yeah, yeah, And he yeah. promises to hit a home run. Right, so, that's a fairly common trope. Yeah, that's like, a, that's like a common thing in baseball. Yeah, There's yeah. this whole thing of Babe Ruth. There was this kid who was injured. Yeah. Um, and so he talked promised to him on the phone him. and promised a home run in the World Series. And he had right. three. Right. You know, fucking Babe Ruth. It's in, I think it's they make fun of it in basketball. Yeah. Which, can we do that movie? 
Uh, I thought about yeah. that recently. It's a yeah, kind of baseball. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, go on. But this is a cool thing. So something like this happened to the player Mo Vaughn. If you remember Mo Vaughn from the yeah. Red Sox. Football player slash baseball player. <laughs> uh, One of the best athletes yeah. ever. Yeah. yeah. Insane. Uh, won the 1995 MVP. He's crazy. The Boston Red Sox. No one will ever do what he did. So Mo Vaughn was born in my hometown. Really? In Norwalk, Connecticut. Yeah. And that was always like Congratulations. a... Congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was always like a thing where I was like, oh, like, I like the Yankees, but it's like, well, Mo sure. Vaughn. Mo it was Vaughn. like... Yeah. And a friend of mine... My claim to fame is uh, Smash Mouth is from San Jose. <laughs> <laughs> that uh, enjoy Chestnut, the, who, the hot dog eating champion. Who wins? Me or you? I, I don't think know. it's a tie, to be honest. Okay, go on. <laughs> well, so he was born in my hometown, yeah. and that was always a thing. And a friend of mine lived in the house that he was born in. My, oh, wow. Yeah, really? my friend named Lee That's lived cool. in Mo Vaughn's house. I remember yeah. going to Lee's house yeah. and just being like, I wonder if there's a baseball like somewhere in the yard or yeah. whatever, like left over <laughs> from Mo Vaughn. So, it's old cleats. Yeah. yeah. So when I was in like third grade, I had to do a heavy air quotes book report. Sure. And so I did a book about Mo Vaughn. I did, you know, like a like a kids, you know, like a kids biography book or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, Mo Vaughn's life for kids or whatever. That's sure. the only uh, And this story was in there. And then I kind of didn't think about it until then, until we watched this movie. So I'm going to look it up. So in 1993, there was a little boy with cancer named Jason Leader. Okay. He was in the hospital. And uh, there's this organization on the East Coast called the Jimmy Fund, which raises money for cancer patients in okay. Boston. Okay. That's nice. So... Uh, someone from the Jimmy Fund was at the hospital doing this work, and they've got a lot of media connections. And basically, this guy found out that Jason Leader's favorite player was Mo Vaughn. Okay. So he called up the team. They were playing in California. They were playing the Angels. And he got Mo Vaughn on the phone and gave it to Jason, and Mo Vaughn talked to this little kid. That's nice. Yeah, and he said, I'll try and get a hit for you tonight, okay. maybe even a home run. Sure. You know, he didn't like No make, promises. No no cinematic promise or <laughs> yeah. whatever, but just kind of thing. The little kid was ecstatic. That night, the game was on the East Coast. Uh, the game was in California on the West Coast, so when sure, it went really late. late yeah. But he ended up hitting a home run. Oh, Mo. Uh, Jason Leader had gone to sleep. <laughs> so he no! missed so he missed the home run, but he woke up the next morning and, okay. and found out about yeah. it, you know, which is pretty beautiful. Um, but what happened is the announcers kind of got wind of the story, uh, and they talked about it, and then yeah. it was picked up, you know, on, on larger and larger national broadcasts because it's a, you know, beautiful, sure. yeah, beautiful nice. human interest story. And over the next days, tons of people sent flowers to Jason's room. Oh, come on. You know, see, saying get better. Yeah. And so all nice. That. So Movon kept up with Jason. Oh. Later in the season, when they came back home, Movon and Jason threw out the first pitch together at Fenway Park. Mm-hmm. The team, uh, the side of the family was from New York. They said we're all Mets fans, and we yeah. just like totally ditched them and became Red Sox fans. Because yeah. you know how can you not? <laughs> Unfortunately, in 1994, Jason passed away. Oh, Movon went to the funeral. Oh my god! Yeah, pretty amazing. And in the years since, Movon and Jason's family have this organization called the Jason and Mo Friendship Fund, you know, which helps raise money. And every year they participate in the Jimmy Fund has a walk as part of the Boston Marathon mm-hmm. to raise money and awareness for cancer research. Wow. And they're still, you know, the the most recent news I found was 2013 because that was the 20 year anniversary. Yeah. But still 20 years later, they always have a little participation in this, you know, again, to raise awareness, again, to raise money 
that all kind of sprung out of this. That's sort of so nice. Yeah, it's a yeah. it's a sad but really sort of beautiful, nice little story. Sure, yeah. You know, and like I, I don't know, man. This is all the stuff that I love about baseball. Like, this yeah, has dude. nothing to do with like it's baseball the game or yeah, what, yeah. You know, well, that's why we love it. Yeah, the the competition of it. This is just like the a human side. Yeah, this is a beautiful part yeah. of the game. That's great. Things like this. So it just so then I saw that and I was like, oh my god, that yeah, fucking yeah, yeah, long yeah. story. That's really nice. You know. I think there's one other thing that we have to talk about, though. Okay, I have another thing as well. Oh, why don't you go first? Are you sure? Yeah. It might be the same thing. What do you want to talk about? So when I'm watching the movie, I like to you know take notes about like what I want to research for the inside baseball part. Sure. And during this one, I thought, okay, during the ending, for sure. I was like, what? I want to know what is actually the craziest thing to ever happen on a baseball field. Oh, what that's got great. Crazy, what got closest to uh, a hostage uh, knife fight baseball getting it. baseball player getting murdered <laughs> on the on the field? And so during my research, I kind of found my top three. Okay. Um, I think I've got the same one of these on my list I want to talk did about. You, did, did you research the same thing? I think two of them I'll just quickly go through. Okay. The first one, real quickly, Juan Marichal in 1965 okay. on the Giants pitcher, right? He hit John Roseboro in the head with a bat Jesus. Uh, at the height of like the Dodgers-Giants rivalry. Oh it was against God. the Dodgers. Koufax was pitching the same day. He had got. He needed like 19 stitches. It was an ugly day oh. for baseball. Notoriously ugly day. Terrible. Really, really bad. But the good news that come out of it was years later, they actually became friends. Okay. And Roseboro was one of his proponents to be like no marshall should get in the hall of fame wow. and then when roseboro died marshall went to his funeral because wow. they became friends but he hit him with the bat yeah. <laughs> in his Jeez. face during a fight that's crazy his argument was that he thought roseboro was going to hit him with his mask because uh-huh. uh, marshall was at the bat but he yeah. fucking was like okay i'm gonna hit you with a bat yeah um so that's number three. Second thing real quick everyone knows about this but i had to mention it randy johnson killing a bird yeah <laughs> <laughs> if you don't know he crazy. threw a pitch and the ball seemingly exploded into feathers. Yeah, but they slowed it down in the slow-mo. Oh. A bird just happened to cross pass with his so 97-mile-an-hour fastball. And all he the just, just exploded yeah. the ball. Or Amazing. the bird. And number three. Sorry, number one, I guess. Is notoriously known as the Disco Demolition Night. Do you wow, know about this? no. I'm about to blow your <gasps> fucking mind, dude. I love it. So, in 1979, it was in Illinois. It was, the White, it was in Chicago for the White Sox. They were owned at the time by, what's his name? He was notorious for, like, crazy promotions. There he is. Bill Veek. You know yeah, this yeah, guy? Yeah. yeah. Oh, he did tons of stuff. Crazy shit, right? He's kind uh, of... Listeners, the, look up Bill Veek. Yeah. Because he, he's Just the list wild. goes on and on. I feel yeah. like Semi-Pro's kind of... Do you know that movie with Will Ferrell? <laughs> I feel like a lot of shit is based on him. Okay. This one is his most notorious. And most notorious, it's fucking crazy. So, at the time, disco was popular. Much to the chagrin of a lot of people who like rock and roll. And there was this radio station, this local radio station... With this disc jockey named, uh, or is it? I think his name's Steve Dahl. Uh, we're just calling him Dahl, D A H L, who was notorious for hating disco. He was on all the talk shows being like, I hate disco. He would, like, you take <laughs> what a this. thing to hate. I was, mean, like, I it was get a, it, but it was a common thing. Like, it got to, it was kind of towards the end of disco, right? 1979. So, like, people were turning on it, you know? okay. Because he played real rock and roll, right? And so he was like on talk shows smashing records on his head and being like, oh, disco sucks. He had shirts yeah. about it. So the promo was, it's like 99 cents to get in the park. You bring a disco record, and Steve Dahl, who pr- was promoting it on the radio, come to the park, and we're going to blow up the disco records. So oh, yeah. In between the double, it was a good double header that day, and it was going to be after the first game. They're going to put you in all your records. And so they thought like 10,000, 15,000 people show up. Yeah. It's like a max capacity 40,000 seat park. 
like 50,000 people showed up all with <laughs> multiple records right they were they were literally sneaking again there's actually a fun little documentary on this on, online as well I, I don't i think it might be a 30 for 30 people were sneaking in to the park like climbing over the fences oh and shit God. with their records and shit amazing and so after the first game which i don't remember who won doesn't matter they put all the records in this giant fucking box which probably wasn't even all because there was so many fucking people there okay that all hated disco <laughs> and so Many of the records were not collected by staff uh, and were thrown like flying discs from the stands. People were just throwing shit on the field. These fucking dangerous discs. Um, And so then they blew up the records, which was fucking a huge explosion, more than they thought it was going to be. There's this giant crater in center field, right? This smoking, flaming crater now. The, the ashes of the Bee Gees <laughs> rising up into the air. While most of the security personnel was still watching the gates per Mike Feet's orders, there was almost no one guarding the playing surface around the edge of the field. Oh, no. So soon, the first 5,000 to 7,000 attendees rushed on the field. Like, a couple people came on the field. They talk about this in the documentary. And no, there was no discipline. Some people started running the bases because it was in between games. Because you can't get on a baseball field and not want to run the bases. Exactly. And then soon it was like, oh, well, they're not getting caught because they're all doing all the security's dealing with the explosion. Everyone just started rushing the field. Wow. And then more and more to the point where like five to 7,000 people rushed the field. And there's like video of this. It looks like a rock concert. There's people fucking everywhere, right? And, like, the team had to barricade themselves in the clubhouse because they were, like, in the dugout fucking with shit. They were all over the field. The batting cage was destroyed. They, like, rioted, like, took it down and tore it down. They went out to the crater and kept, like, making more fire with the, like, lighters they had. And they kept burning more records. It's like, a literal bonfire in center field. Oh, this is a weird fact that I did not notice before. Among those taking the field was 21-year-old aspiring actor Michael Clark Duncan. <laughs> Wow. During the melee, Duncan slid into third base. Because that was the thing. All that's these people amazing. were like just hanging around. It looked like Woodstock, right? But like wow. while this happening, people are like running the bases because they like awesome. running the bases. That's awesome. Um, as as it's going on, Bill Veek is like on the on the uh, <laughs> oh my god, please go back to your seats. Oh my Harry gosh. Carey, who was the announcer that year for the White Sox for some reason, wow. or I guess that was the thing. I don't know much about the White Sox. He was like, please go back to your seats as well. And then at one point, they both started singing uh, "Take Me Out to the Ball Game" to like try to calm everyone <laughs> down. And then let's see here. I want to see this movie. <laughs> I know, dude. Oh, they dug up home plate. They literally like fucking dug it up. It was fucking chaos, Bombers. right? Bananas. To the point where eventually they were like, they had to call in riot police. Riot police raided the field, fucking arrested like 60 people. Probably legit one of the craziest things that ever happened on a uh, baseball field. Um, they t- spent a couple hours trying to clean away the debris because they had a second game. Yeah. And eventually it was like, ah, we'll just we're calling it because there was literally Jeez. a hole in center field. That's incredible. Uh, and it got to the point where they made the White Sox forfeit because it was the home crowd and they did it. So they're like, you forfeit this game, Amazing. you dicks. Anyway, that's Demolition Disco Night. Look it up. It's that's fucking amazing. bonkers. Well, I wish I knew about that because that ties perfectly into my okay, next segment. please. So this is The Fan, right? The yeah. movie is called The Fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And obviously he's the fucking worst insane psychopath ever. He's terrible, yeah. So I wanted to know who are the most insane fans. <laughs> yes, right? I'm into this. So I, I looked up a couple lists for like worst fans, and it's like, of course, it's like the Yankees. Yeah. The Yankee fans because we're top everything. But I wanted to get a little more specific. So this is going to be our list of the top five most notorious fans. Yes. Okay. The first one is Billy Crystal. <laughs> sure, yeah. He's a huge Yankee fan. Huge fan. He doesn't shut up about it. Yeah, he's yeah. Uh, notorious. Just means uh, you know of note. Yeah, of course. Of. Yeah. So you know who doesn't fucking love Billy Crystal? Yeah, he's the I best. love Billy Crystal. Yeah, grew up in Long Island. Loves the Yankees. 
he writes a lot about it in his book called Still Foolin' Him, mm-hmm. which I read. And also, he has a one-man show on HBO called 700 Sundays, mm. which is about his life growing up in Long Island and okay. a lot about his father and yeah, all yeah. that. And there's a whole, like, beautiful, actually, like, baseball segment kind of okay. in that. So check those out. He became friends with Mickey Mantle while doing comedy in New York. He did an impression that sort of cracked them up. And one thing that he did was when he was a kid, he Mickey Mantle was his favorite player. When he was a kid, he got Mickey Mantle to sign his program. So then when, as an adult, he knew that he was going to see Mickey Mantle on the oh, show, shit, yeah. he brought it and he made Mickey Mantle sign oh, so the cool. same program. And then they just became friends oh, after that's that. the dream. Yeah. It, it, this is all, again, it's like all in his book. He talks about it. He communicated with him through his whole yeah. life and was like there sort of at the end when sure. he was alcoholic and all that. And just, that's sad. Yeah. I mean, it's like a beautiful sort of friendship yeah, totally. that blossomed out of this he also directed the movie 61 which we're gonna watch i did not show. know that he directed yeah. that wow uh which is mind. about the roger maris and mickey mantle's home run chase right in 2008 he signed a one-day contract with the yankees <laughs> to have one at bat during a spring training game yeah he he sort of foul tipped it up the first baseline <laughs> and then struck out <laughs> and then was replaced by johnny damon <laughs> hilarious hilarious uh he also is part of the ownership group of the arizona diamondbacks Get the uh, heck yeah, he bought in when they expanded, and then when they played the Yankees in the World Series, he watched with a Yankee hat on and was booed by the entire stadium in Arizona because he's one of the fucking owners. <laughs> and then oh, when Arizona won, he Billy. got a World Series ring. Yeah, <laughs> that's the both worlds. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, again, we're going to talk a lot more about Billy Crystal. I do know he also introduced uh, baseball to Robin Williams. That's right. Robin Williams not a big baseball fan, but he's from San Francisco. Do you know the story of? Uh, I forget where I think he was telling this. I read something. Post humush humushly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go ahead, that up. There's this great story where yeah. he and he he brought Robin Williams into the announcer's booth. Yes, and they were on the radio. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. the announce the, the the radio guy was asking them about. I think this uh, is this. Yeah, about baseball, and he and Robin Williams didn't know anything about baseball. Yeah, didn't know shit. Uh, and so what Billy Crystal did yeah. was he said, oh, he said, uh, who's your favorite team? And Robin Williams said, the San Francisco's. <laughs> <laughs> and so what, what Billy Crystal did yeah. was he said to the radio announcer, he said, I actually brought Russia's most prominent <laughs> baseball manager onto the show today. And he said, Robin Williams' face just lit up. Oh, nice. And he went, he just totally went improv'd this amazing thing. You know, you know, all in Russia. We have the other yeah. one. And you know, it's doing all these funny things. He said, we have one team, the Reds. That's <laughs> <laughs> such a perfect joke. Yeah, yeah. And he just, uh, he just went off. And he, so he was talking about, like, you know, the, the beautiful heart and comedic genius yeah. of Robin Williams, but also hilarious. Baseball. Baseball. Right, who's number four? Okay. Number four is a guy named Michael O'Brien. Okay. Why is Michael O'Brien on our most notorious fans? Me. Why, you ask? Because he was a fan of rugby in London. Okay. And you know what he did to become famous in the annals of history? What did he Why do? is Michael O'Brien remembered? Tell me already. In a 1974 rugby match between England and France at Twickenham Stadium in London, the 25-year-old Aussie became the first person recorded to streak across the field at a sporting event. Look at what you just did. All thanks to a bet from a friend. <laughs> the first guy to start streaking on the field, 1974. Wow. Baby. That's incredible. Yeah. We only started doing that in the 70s? Uh, they, that's the first like recorded. recorded. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Everybody was civil before that. Michael O'Brien. Tricky Dick comes on the scene. Everyone's like, I'm just taking my clothes <laughs> off. Fuck it. <laughs> Well, that guy's a hero. Yeah, sure. 
<laughs> He's uh, noteworthy. That's a historical figure. That's a historical thing. Yeah. All right, number three. Okay. Uh, number three is Mr. Marlin. The Marlin's guy. Marlin's man. Yeah. I think his name officially Marlin's man. Officially Marlin's man. I think. Uh, I only read a little bit, and I didn't write down it for my notes. That's fine. But basically, I know enough about him. if you guys are watching the World Series, if you if you just watch the World Series... I think he started in like 2010, or two, like the Giants Way ones. earlier. Yeah. No, it's earlier? Been, are you serious? It, his first, That's the only one I noticed. So ba- Okay, so if you don't know, basically, if you watch any prominent baseball game, like during the playoffs, yeah. look behind home plate, and there's one doofy guy <laughs> in a fucking bright... Orange yeah. Marlins jersey and a and a Marlins visor, and a big Marlins visor, <laughs> and he sits right in front, and he's known as Marlins man, and it's always not Marlins play. Yeah, <laughs> we the other night we were we I noticed it the other night. Yeah, I was he was like, at the well, World Series. Like, Look at that fucking guy. <laughs> he's always with and a, then I a really attractive woman too. So apparently, so I was reading up a little bit about his life. Yeah, apparently he's just like super wealthy and sure. uh, just basically dates attractive women and brings them to sit behind home plate and it's he's a pretty good deal he's gone to something like 94 world series games that's fucking crazy yeah or i don't know that that might Pro maybe it's 94 games, maybe. Yeah, 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 and yeah. like 60 world I, I don't know but it was like well into the double digits jesus and he's gone to many postseason games many world series games he's been doing it for 20 years i think he said the first one was like 2001 or 2003 oh my God. Wow. yeah uh, and for whatever reason, he just fucking loves the Marlins. He loves them. <laughs> he loves baseball. Well, that he was the, the thing I was said at the beginning of the podcast. I was when I was. I don't even know what I was. Maybe fans. I don't know. I, I went down a rabbit hole. Marlins are now in by Derek Jeter. Yep. He had a, a, a season pass holder meeting. I think this was like last. Whenever <gasps> they bought him, did they provoke? Huh? Marlins man's. Well, first of all, all the fans were like yelling at him. You should look this up. It's crazy. There's no video, but like uh, reporters were talking about it. Yeah, yeah. Fans I, were like yelling at him, like, this "Do this! Time. You're destroying our team." And Marlins man comes up to the microphone and he goes, uh-huh. "The first thing he says, do you know who I am?" <laughs> <laughs> and Derek Jeter responds, "Yeah, I've heard of you." That's amazing. And then he goes on. I guess Marlins man went on like a four minute monologue just talking about who the fuck knows because there's no video. I think talking about himself and the team, or whatever. <gasps> And then he ends with, like, I think Derek Jeter made a joke, like, okay, yeah, you could throw out the first pitch next year and we'll sign you to a 10-year deal or something like that. Wow. Also notorious, he, he, I guess he went to the media and said that, like, he tried to buy season tickets for, like, the like the next, like, five or six years or something. For uh-huh. He just wanted to give him, like, $200,000, some blanket sum. Yeah. And there was no, they said no, there was some negotiation, but he, he didn't get it. And he went to the media and cried about it. Because he's fucking Marlins man, he's famous, <laughs> and he has a platform. That's I guess. crazy. Yeah. Anyway, people look up Marlins man. <laughs> number three on our it's most worth notorious it. fans. Who's number two? Okay, number two. Everybody can kind of guess who number two is. It's okay. I feel bad, but we gotta say it. it's Steve Bartman. <sighs> yeah. So for people who don't know, know, you should know who Steve Bartman is. For people who don't know, uh, it has a happy ending now. Yeah, it does. It's that's true. That's yeah. true. If you don't know, in the 2003 NLCS, the Cubs were uh, in. They were looking good. The Cubs were looking good. It was Game Six. They were looking to finally break through, right? uh, And get on. But on the back of everyone's mind was the curse. The curse, of course. Two runners on, one out, and a 3-0 deficit. Florida Marlins Luis Castillo drilled a long foul ball down the third base line. Left fielder Moises Alou goes up to make the snag, and Steve Bartman, who is a fan who is sitting in the, the closest seat to the, the side of the wall, yeah. uh, reaches his hat out. And his headphones. His hat and his headphones and his sweater reaches out with his glove to try and catch the ball. And so obviously Moises Alou does not make the catch. 
what happens is the Cubs give up eight runs. Yeah. They go on to lose. Of course, they'll make it to the World Series. for. And in that moment, like everyone, he had to be escorted by the police. They zoomed in on his face to like yeah. show it was this guy. And it was the, the debate. So yeah. the debate is if a fan reaches over the wall yeah. to catch the ball, it's fan interference. Correct. But if the outfielder has to reach into the stands right, and, the fan, and the fan knocks him out or right, whatever, takes it. which we still see all the time. A couple of World of World all Series the games. Time. We've seen that. Mookie, yeah. Was it uh, Judge? Uh, uh, well, Mookie Betts yeah. in, in Houston. Yes. Joe um, West made that call. Yeah. <laughs> Inside baseball joke. <laughs> Anyway, so again, the play, the Steve Barton play is right on the line. I've watched it like a dozen times, and I can't, every time I go back and forth, there's I'm other like, people oh, there's, going for it, too. There are other people going he for just it, was but the it's unlucky like, one. Yeah, it's true. But every time I'm like, oh, he, he reached out, and then I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. no, Moses Lou has to go into this thing. Right. I don't know. But who knows? Anyway, he became this like notoriously Huge. hated right. persona non grata in, 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 How did his name in get Chicago. Out I wonder. The media, man. Yeah, I don't fuckers. Know. Uh, he apologized, I he think, apologized. on the news. The ball was sold at auction and then blown up. Yeah. <laughs> There's video of it exploding. Because then it was like, oh, it's the curse. Now it's a new curse. Yeah. So, he had to move. And then what happened is, in 2016, to make amends, the Cubs, yeah. after they finally won, beautiful and a happy ending, they gave him a, they they gave him him a, a ring. ring. And no one hates him anymore. Have you seen But like, it? If you also, real quick, if yeah. you haven't seen those rings. Are they beautiful? Oh, my God. They better be. They're humongous. They better be the best rings. They're the ever biggest rings ring. ever. Yeah, that's <laughs> They're great. giant. Uh, but that guy's life was ruined. No, it totally was for a long it was just time. Just a poor fan. Fucking, yeah. you know, everybody wants to. He was a Cubs catch fan. A, he liked the Cubs. Like the Cubs, everybody wants to catch a foul yeah. ball. I would go fucking nuts. If oh my I god! Yeah, ball. if it was anywhere near me, I would. Yeah. Been, I would have been the same guy. It would have been great. Yeah. So, so notorious. Steve Barton, we're very sorry that you're on the list, but but you got a ring. You got a ring. They made it up for it. Uh, I would love a ring. A little too late, but. All right, and we arrive at number one. This is what I thought you had in your list, and it's fucking crazy. Okay, let's hear it. Okay, the most notorious fans. It goes to the fans of the Cleveland Indians. Just all of them. All of them. <laughs> who, not, the, not the Phillies? Who attended oh. 10 Cent Beer Night. <laughs> oh, I did read. I did briefly read about this. Okay, here's what happened. Tell me. 1974. <laughs> the Cleveland Indians lose a game to the Texas Rangers. Yeah. And basically, there's a there's a benches. It was a tough game. There's a benches clearing brawl. Right. The Ranger fans are throwing food at the Indians players on the field. Great. This is this is at uh, Rangers Stadium. Okay. This is, so this is in Texas. Oh, okay. And it's like an ugly game. The Rangers manager at the time was Billy Martin. He said after the game, the the press asked him, "Are you worried about retribution?" Because yeah. they were supposed to play in Cleveland the next week. Yeah. He said he wasn't worried about retribution because there aren't enough fans in Cleveland to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, the sickest burn I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good. Then comes Ten Cent Beer Night. Oh no! Basically, uh, <laughs> is that legal? So uh, not anymore. <laughs> so Cleveland was having this promotion right. of Ten Cent Beer Night. Dude, I miss these days of the wild promotions. So at the time, there's yeah. also, a, to reiterate, there is also another little ESPN documentary or whatever. It's like, you know, 10 minutes. I watched it. Oh, right. Ah. Hey, You're about to, I'm about to what? walk you through the whole We're fucking thing. We're regurgitating facts that everyone else knows. We're not historians. <laughs> We're just dudes. <laughs> We're just Come on. Okay. For $1, you could get a ticket to the ball game oh, no. to sit in the bleachers and five beers. <laughs> Do, you didn't even have to spend... Money first, right away. That you was just the got promotion. Five beers for one dollar. Right one dollar. Jesus. And the drinking age was eighteen. Okay. 
five of them? And the stadium opened hours early. Oh, no. 25,000 fans showed up hours in advance and just got fucking blasted. (laughs) They had set up... What they did was they set up, like, a beer truck in, like, like around the bleachers, uh, which is where all the... You had your ticket. Your right. your ticket. Your, my five beers. You get in. You yeah, yeah yeah exactly. I would have been there. They had two <laughs> girls. They had two girls working the truck. One was taking the money. Twenty five thousand people. One was pouring the beers. Oh my god. Yeah. So the documentary goes through just how fucking insane it gets. Yeah. First, uh, women start flashing the crowd. Sure. They yeah. jump down onto the field. They're yeah. flashing the crowd. <laughs> A father and son team run what out. Where is this? 1974. Wow, okay. A father and son team run out onto the field, and they moon the crowd from the pitcher's mound. A woman runs out onto the field and tries to kiss the umpire. One guy runs out streaking with his clothes in his hand, just like waving them around. In the third inning. Oh, no. uh, The fans got so rowdy in the third inning that the two women running the beer truck just left. And the crowd just had They took free over rain. the beer. Oh <laughs> they took my over. god! And they were just—I. It says in the documentary they were just pouring it straight into their oh. mouths from the truck. What from heaven the are you describing? <laughs> or maybe hell? It gets insane. <laughs> Two dozen people run out oh. onto the field. Okay. And this is like the Rangers are the hated team. So the Rangers, yeah. you know, because the week they before, made the sick burn. Yeah. yeah. So the Rangers are like yelling at everybody. <laughs> people start throwing cherry bombs in the Rangers dugout oh, and all over shit. the field. One of the guys terrorism. One of the guys said. One of the guys said that he felt at least twenty pounds of hot dogs were thrown at him, (laughs) and a jug of wine. Wow! Where the fuck did that come from? Somehow the baseball game continues through all of this. (laughs) Umpires, who's allowing this? They make it to the bottom of the ninth. Jesus, and they're tied up. (laughs) It's a tie game. Yeah. So what happens is. At this point, everybody is fucking hammered, right? Right. One Indians fan, he runs up behind Rangers outfielder Jeff Burrows from the bleachers to grab his hat. And he's drunk, so he's stumbling around. So he grabs (laughs) his hat, and he kind of drops it. And he stoops down to pick it up. And then he looked up, and Burrows is just staring daggers at him. And in the documentary, the guy's like, I looked up, and I was like, oh, shit. (laughs) Burrows kicks him. Oh, Jesus. And the fans just pour onto the oh, field. Oh, no. This is a ranger that he did this. Yeah, thing. yeah. Is the, this the guy that said the sick burn? No, no, no. Oh, that's okay. Billy Martin. Got it. Billy Martin, the <gasps> manager, yeah. he grabs a bat oh. and he says to all the rangers, like, come on, boys, let's get him. Holy fuck. And they all grab bats. And it turned into the warriors. And they run on, <laughs> Yeah, that's what I thought, too. They, they run onto the field and they've got bats and they're oh. all defending themselves. Oh, my God. And they're like, Fighting with yeah. hundreds of fans. Holy shit! The announcer. The is there anu- video of this? Uh, there's there's not video, but there's an oh, announcer, and okay. you can hear him. Oh, and, no. and the announcer is like, "There are easily 200 people on the field." <laughs> <laughs> like he's like narrating all of his action. Again, I would love if Joe Buck <laughs> does that he Joe would Buck be talk very about funny. this? It's a full scale riot. Wow. The Indians players have to come to the defense of the Rangers players. Yeah, and of the course. Indians players are pulling the Indians fans yeah. off of the Rangers. It, it gets so violent. People are getting beaten. Bottles are thrown and hit people. Yeah. People are like bleeding. There's oh pictures. My God. It's fucking crazy. An umpire takes a chair to the head. <laughs> That's a real sentence that I wrote down. <laughs> they said that in the thing. This is not WWE. This is this is fucking baseball. <laughs> Takes a chair to the head. Oh, God. At this point, they stop the game. That guy's ass is in the <laughs> jackpot now. <laughs> <laughs> 
hundred percent, hundred percent. At this point, they stop the game, and and uh, the uh, the head umpire declares it a forfeit for the Rangers. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Oh, because they were fighting. Yeah. Sure. The SWAT team comes in. Yes. Of and they course. use tear gas to stop the game and break up the crowd. They turn off all the lights. Wow. Um, That's the way to do it. Yeah. What a fucking crazy night. <laughs> they said it just went into the night. They said all the wow. Rangers players left and the fans were like still there. Dude. And one of the one of the I think it was one of the players, he was like, you know, older now and he was he was recounting, it was like a talking head interview. Yeah. And he was like, I just remember standing there being like, What are you trying to prove? Like it's done. Like yeah. everybody's gone home Please or whatever. go away. The ending of the story, happy ending. Mm-hmm. The guy who stole the hat from okay. Jeff Burroughs, his name is Terry Yukin. Yeah. Uh, he was elected Later, later in his life, he was elected Citizen of the Year for his suburban neighborhood. <laughs> what? I think unrelated. Sure. But maybe not. Maybe. And then you know what they did? Uh, the Indians? What did they do? They had a 10-cent beer a night a month later. Are you serious? <laughs> they tried it again. Did it go crazy? No. They, oh. they had a limit to per customer, oh, okay. and they also had, they had four rules. times the police and security. That makes sense. I like how we both told stories that ended in SWAT team storm the field. Yeah. Uh, so those... 70s, man. They were crazy. Those are the worst fans. Wow. Those are the worst fans. Those, that's our list of top five most notorious fans. Jesus Christ. we got to rate this movie. All right. What do you think? I have an idea. Do you have... Do I have one. Um, where did I put you, it? How do you rate this game? I would rate this movie. Barry Bonds and Wesley Snipes are standing on boat in both batter boxes. <laughs> okay. The ball is being thrown with a knife in it by Robert De Niro. <laughs> And they both swing at it, and it explodes because it's all made out of cocaine. What the- <laughs> and the cocaine goes everywhere, and it gets in everyone's faces, and everyone just dies instantly. That's what I would rate this movie. Uh, it's a common baseball play. <laughs> <laughs> common baseball movie. <laughs> they call it the Snipes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's fucking... Dude, that's mine. Go ahead. Okay, here's mine. I would rate this movie yeah. as a situation where... It's like a one-run game through sure. five innings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then one team just fucking scores seven runs. And you're watching sure, and you're like, sure, okay, sure. this game. Uh, uh, mm. And then one inning happens. You're just like, what the fuck What's just happened? On? Yeah. What is this? And maybe every inning they score, like, third inning they score seven. Next inning yeah. they score eight. Next yeah. inning they score 15. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're just like, what the fuck is this? This is not baseball. It was like the it was like the Dodgers game one of the World Series this year. Yeah, it was like a really intense game, and then that and then it was that Nino's home run. You're just like, what the well, fuck is this game? That's this era of baseball too. At this point, we don't know how the World Series turned out, so I'm either very happy or very not when this <laughs> is being listened to by Me you. Me too, actually. You can rent the fan on iTunes, I Amazon, it on iTunes, iTunes, Amazon, Vudu on YouTube. You could buy it. You could buy it. You get it from the library. You can buy the criteria. Uh, I, I think it was. I don't think it's streaming anywhere currently when we're recording no. this, but sometimes it, it goes on be. and off Hulu or Showtime. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Wait, do we rate it like a good? You rated it a good thing because there's a lot of runs. Well, no, I, I'm for the opposite team. I'm thinking uh, it's like a one run game, and then the, and then the other team, yeah. and then Boston hits a four run homer. I completely misinterpreted that. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. And you're just like, this is a waste of time. And it's a waste of time, but it's bonkers and shitty, crazy, insane. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. We'll go with that. Should we should we tease next week? Let's tease it. Next week we are watching American Pastime. Oh yeah, I'm actually really excited about this. No, me too. Yeah, it's um, it's about baseball being played at the Japanese internment camps Mm -hmm. during World War II. During World War II, when Japanese Americans all throughout California were relocated. Right. Uh, Terribly. And uh, had to keep up life and culture, and part of that was baseball. And they had, like, a league, I think. Yeah. 
I don't really know much about it. I don't know much about this movie. That's, yeah. that's the extent of what I know about the movie. Right. We saw the trailer. Yeah. It looks really good. It looks really good. Um, and a subject matter that uh, seems important. And unexplored. Yeah, totally. And, you know, important to baseball and unexplored. I'm very, very in. Cool. So well, thanks for listening. Tune in next time. Next time. And uh, it won't be as goofy as this one. <laughs> oh, I thought it, we, were, we were thinking of a sign off. I thought of Oh, a, did you think of one? I did, but no, no I can't remember it. No, fuck you, Andrew. Oh, Come it was on. so good, too. Oh, dude. Oh, it was so good. That's literally the only reason I want a podcast. <laughs> so we have a fun little thing to say. Uh, next time. No, think you. of it. I, I, I think of it. Fucking think of it. Uh, think of it. No. Do it. Say it. Uh, I, I struck out. I don't know. Intentional walk or whatever. <sighs> I'm done. I can't. Uh, next time. I was driving. That's why I couldn't write it down. We'll see you next time. I was, I was in my car and I was like, oh, yeah, that's you perfect. fucking <laughs> son of a bitch. Maybe uh, uh, baseball is good. God, I super struck out with that Yeah, one. that was bad. I'm so sorry. Okay. cut that out. Uh, stop the podcast now. Okay. <laughs> see you guys next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, Bobby!